This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, January 7th of 2021, it's episode 192. In this episode, Go Now in Peace, our podcast finale, plus people to thank, answering all of our remaining Patreon questions, why we're shutting down, what we got from these eight and a half years, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And welcome to our last show. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Eight and so, a half years, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> it has been a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with my eldest daughter about it. I was like, hey, you know the show I've been doing that's older than you? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, and her response to that was, oh, yeah, it's going to be weird not falling asleep to you talking in the library (laughs) oh yeah okay there we go (laughs) so that's a thing but yes we are wrapping up saving the game after eight and a half years started back in july of 2012 with an episode on asking are rpgs evil in the classic if you have a question in your headline the answer is no format (laughs) it's been going from there so we're gonna just kind of look back a little bit, answer our massive, outstanding Patreon questions—at least all the ones we can answer quickly. There are probably one or two that'll spark some discussion. But I that's already fine. have promised on multiple occasions that we will answer them all. Stop hedging. Yeah. <laughs> Do not make me a liar. In our last episode, we will get through these. There's not that many. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take a break for a second glass of sangria. That's all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk about kind of the first big question here. Why is the show ending? Why oh boy. now saving the game? Well, the simple answer is uh, we're recording this January 7th of 2021, the uh-huh. day after we had like an attempted coup. And uh, a white supremacist attempted coup. Yeah. The so, U.S. You know, capital. Capping off the year. <laughs> yeah, 20- 2020 has sucked hard. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's a particular like. Saying this year was awful is not exactly a bad thing. Mm-mm. You know, it, more to the point, a podcast produced and hosted by three people with moderate to severe anxiety, all of us. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of impressed we lasted this long. I started early on in the pandemic developing, the, and this, oh my goodness, this sucks so much, and it's so ridiculous. I developed a mild phobia after reading Edward Snowden's uh, memoir developed a mild phobia of people listening in on my conversations with my friends. And wow, it's actually really hard to kick that phobia when there are people <laughs> listening to my conversations with my friends. Understandable, yeah. So, so like, uh, this is a thing that, that, like, hits real close to my own anxiety for me. Just, it can't really be a relaxing hobby anymore. Not that it was ever exactly relaxing. It's it's a mentally stimulating thing, but we'll we're, we'll... Get more into that later. Right, but it is anxiety-inducing rather oh, yeah. than just fun. Yeah. I know I've already said this on social media, but I do want to like actually like publicly acknowledge this on air. Adding you to the podcast added a whole lot of life to it. I'm glad we did it, Thanks. and I wish we'd done it sooner. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I'm glad you asked me when, I, when you did, because previous, I would not have been in a good mental state in which to do it. I will say that. But thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, our pleasure. I, I will say it was funny. I think we told this story the first episode we had you on, but that was over 100 episodes ago. So uh-huh. I'm going to bring this up again. 
Grant and I were not optimistic that you were going to say yes. <laughs> and I don't know why. We, I, I, I literally have no idea why. Well, because we didn't know you particularly well. Not fair. Yeah. And the, the other thing, too, was it's a it's a big commitment, as you have found yeah. out over the last four and a half years or so that you've been with us. Mm hmm. So we're like, oh, man, you know, are we going to be able to talk her into this? And we had all of these, you know, kind of like things that we were going to try and do to cajole you into joining <laughs> us. And so we got on, I think it was Facebook Messenger. And we were like, hey, we were wondering if you'd like to be the, um, you know, the no, third no, regular. No, no, it wasn't that. No, no. What, what we did is like, hey, do you have a second for a quick call with Peter and I? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then it's it like, hey, Jenny, so we wanted to know if you were interested in joining Saving the Game. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Do you know well, why? I'm going to put 30 minutes of notes aside and be like, all right, let's plan this out then. Yeah. <laughs> so. do, you, do you know why I said yes so quickly? No. N no joke. I, I don't know if I've talked about this publicly at all. Literally the day previous, I was complaining to my mom about how I had no creative outlet. Well, there and, you go. And how I wanted to get into podcasting, but it felt awkward to just randomly ask people, hey, can I guess on your podcast? In case there's a fit, because I had no idea what I wanted to really talk about. I, I wanted a creative outlet and podcasting felt like it would be fun because I'd, I'd actually done it a little bit before. There was a podcast called, I don't remember what it was called. Oh my gosh. Oh man, it's the one that Chris Mace started. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. It's yeah. Agent, yeah. Kicked in the Dice Bags yes. or something? It's an old one. Kicked in the Kicked Dice, in the dice bags. bags. I was on Kicked in the Dice Bags a bunch of times. I was an honorary semi-permanent host I until it collapsed. That, that was, I had forgotten that and also yeah. that it existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still have the Dice Bag because they, they made up Kicked in the Dice Bags Dice Bags and, and they gave me one. Nice. So, so yeah, it was a thing that I had enjoyed and, and the fact that you guys asked me literally – the day after I'd been complaining that I had no creative outlet and kind of wanted to podcast was just like, well, uh, for a Christian, I don't think about signs from God very often, but like, <laughs> this feels like a sign from God that I should maybe do this. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I also have a big, big thing about here I am, send me like, that's, that's a really big theme in my church for everybody in my church. So here I am, send me. Yes. Just jump in and say yes. It's been very fun, guys. I've had a really good time. Thank you for asking me. It really has been a joy having you here. And, you know, like I said on social media, there have been a lot of decisions that I was glad that I made in my life. There have not been any that I can think of, especially with regards to creative stuff, that I have regretted never <laughs> for bringing you on the podcast. It was a very good decision. So thank you. A couple other notes on why we're ending. On a personal note, I have actually been struggling with the show for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time that we've we brought up ending the show. No, all. no. Or, or me leaving it or something like that, because I was it has been a struggle for me. Some of that's having kids. Um, some of that is, you know, a busy work schedule, just the, the day to day stuff. Right. You know, enthusiasm always waxes and wanes. That's normal. Research is hard. Right. That's that's been a struggle for me. And you are our researcher like <laughs> it is. Yeah. But like even then, a lot of times it's like, oh, let me just see what Wikipedia has got and go from there. Like I, my my heart was not really in it and hasn't been for a couple of years now. I've been trying to push through it, but it's just kind of hit a point this year where it's just it has sucked everything out of me and I just do not have what it takes to do it anymore. Unlike Jenny and myself, you have two young children like. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I do. And you are also in a managerial position at work. So you have a lot of external stressors that add to you, you know, to the level of pressure on you that have nothing to do with this podcast. And I mean, for years and years, you were, you know, doing all of the editing and still did do a lot of like the background stuff. So it was a it was a lot of responsibility piled on top of a person who already had a lot of it. I'm I'm grateful that we lasted as long as we did with that much pressure on you. And I think I still think it was a little unfair that we didn't find some way of getting more of that weight off of you earlier. That's fine. It made a big difference at the time. You know, it's just I am no longer really willing to commit to that level of research to make the shows really worthwhile. Yeah. Right. It's just it it can't happen at this point. The other thing that's important, we aren't really the only voice in this space anymore. No, not even yeah. close yeah. anymore. Yeah, like we wouldn't be leaving cool. a void. When we started, it was basically us and Inroads, right? It was it was us and uh, Game Store Profits. They're Game, Game Store Profits. Profits. <laughs> Inroads Ministries, I think, didn't exist. Yeah, uh, Game Store. It started as Game Store Profits, and then they yeah. created it. I think Inroads actually after that. they existed before us, but Mike Perna and his people predate us, but by like six months or something like that. Yeah, yeah but I think Game Store Profits started before Inroads. Is my point? Yeah. 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 Um, I also want to say that there was a very brief period of time, I'm talking like incredibly brief, where like the Christian Gamers Guild did like a four episode miniseries or something. This is an old, old memory from way gone by. So like, I do not know for sure on that. Right. So. And they've been out there for a very long time, but it's, you know, and they go to cons and that sort of thing or did. And but it is still definitely like kind of a an old guard of the original era of ga of tabletop gamers. You know, a lot of them and, you know, some newer folks, but it's that's kind of still a lot of that mindset. And that's not a bad thing. But that's also not a podcast, you know. There's it's not a podcast. <laughs> now I look out there and I'm like, I mean, just today somebody joined our Discord channel talking about a group that does Christian outreach on Twitch, right, to, to gamers and that sort of thing. It's like, oh, cool. This is awesome. It's a new thing and is pretty great. You know, I say new. It's not especially new other other folks uh we had uh folks like uh jacob tuman and uh or toman and a couple others on previously you know, ages ago talking about something that they were doing uh i know there are other folks that do that on twitch and youtube like the idea that christianity and and a geeky look at christianity are somehow incompatible or you know, it's just no longer true. And a, there's a lot of people doing that in these multimedia spaces like podcasts and, you know, streaming and video on demand that is easy to get to. We aren't alone out there. I mean, <laughs> you look at our, our Twitter feed, there's, you know, Geek at Arms and MinMax and Inroads and Barden Bible, God and Gaming. Derek White was doing uh, the Dungeon Pastors for a while with uh, Stephen from the UK. And uh, like, I mean, there's. And he's he's now on TikTok doing yeah. TikTok-y things. So. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah. So that's that's a whole space I haven't touched ever and probably never will. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mostly for security reasons, but that's a different thing. If you're a pastor, you go to where people are and. The, we, I have a whole other thing to say that I'll talk about later about kind of the, the tension in our calling and ministry, that sort of thing. You know, what exactly was saving the game? It's kind of complicated and I don't think we got it right, but that's a different conversation. But we aren't the only people out there anymore. So it's not like, I mean, I know people are going to miss us. I'm going to miss us in some ways. Yeah. But interestingly enough, like, even though I have been on all of our episodes, except for, I think, two or three 
I was sick once. Jenny recorded one with her mom once, and I want to say you guys did one other one that I wasn't on. Might have, yeah. But I, I have definitely been the most common voice on the show throughout the years. <laughs> I have listened to all of our episodes, and I will probably listen to this one. And it's I, I enjoy going back and reliving those conversations with you guys. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't need to hear what I had to say, but it's sometimes good to, you know, to rehear what you guys had to say. So I think it is definitely a sign that I was done when I stopped listening to the podcast after it released, mm. you know, it's like, I just I can't. So, yeah. But that's that's why we're wrapping things up. Yeah. Basically. I will also say I am feeling super duper constrained by our format. Personally, as a genderqueer person in a community that is often hyper conservative, I do not get to be myself on the mics. And having to tone myself down like that hurts. And mm -hmm. it has been wearing on me for ages. I'd have come out a lot sooner if we had not actually gotten an email from somebody basically espousing some really actively transphobic stuff like i i would have come out so much sooner but like as much as i love the community that we have built i am under no impression that it's a space that would always 100 percent be super duper welcoming for me yeah i have always felt constrained by that and it has been wearing on me for well over a year now at the very least that's been rough. <laughs> it has added to the stress. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's why we are wrapping things up. I, I want to throw one other thing in there. We have a, a core group of about 150 listeners that seem to have stuck with us through thick and thin. That's about all we've got left. <laughs> Call it about 125. I'm looking at our numbers. Eh, I, I think most of our episodes hit about the 160 mark, according to Podbean, over time. I, you know, some, Over of, that time, be, perhaps, some yeah. of that may be people, you know, like downloading later. Some of it may be redownloads. Who knows? It's hard to measure yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but I'm, that's I'm not willing to say lot. that we've probably got at least, you know, 160 people that listen to at least the occasional episode. Um, that said, like that is <laughs> that represents a, a drop. Um, I think at our peak, we were around 500 or so, but that was relatively early on when we were very novel. <laughs> <laughs> I think over time, the people that were listening to us through for novelty factor and stuff kind of drifted away. And we were left with, like I said, an absolutely wonderful community that I suppose, you know, I should we should have addressed this earlier in the episode. We're like 16 minutes in. We are leaving our discord open. There is no yeah. reason to close it. It doesn't cost anything to anybody to leave it there. The community is great. They get along well. The friendships have been made. Games have been started. Why would we shut it down? We won't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I'll get more into statistics and that sort of thing a little later. But yeah, that, it's just it's it's time. Yeah. Fundamentally is what it comes down let's, to. Let's hit one of our questions before we move on to the next. Yeah, section. absolutely. Yeah. Jenny, you want to pick our first one? This is from my parents. It is, what is your favorite character death? I assume they mean, like, character that you've had to play. Oh, boy. Can it be other characters that uh, are not ours, but were in our game? Yeah, I'd say so. I think yes. I've talked about this game a lot, because this was actually a very formative game for me. I know which one you're going to say. I already know which one you're going to say. Four, four hour game at Fear the Con? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is one where I was playing this very young uh, Mexican gunslinger in a fiasco game. And at the end of fiasco, you sort of narrate, you know, what happens to your character and that sort you know, that sort of thing, sort of wrap things up in this little round robin 
uh, thing. Fiasco first edition, I should clarify now that there's a second edition out. I made sure that my character died under the hooves of the U.S. Cavalry with the last thing that was said in the game. And I loved it. It was great because my character basically just burned out and did everything wrong. <laughs> and he deserved it, but it was also really, really good and exactly how that character should have ended. So, yeah, it was great. I think mine is always going to be the one. It, it, it was a very defining moment for me in my early RPG career. This was the high school game. I believe I've mentioned on the mics before. This was D&D 3.5. I was playing a halfling wizard and we were in a grassy field. And we were ambushed by magic users, and one of the magic users threw a fireball at me. I rolled a natural one on my fortitude save. I rolled again because of reasons, and I rolled a two. Well. And I said, well, I'm dead. And the GM said, no, no, you're not. And I'm like, no, too bad. I'm dead. Bye. Like, and I, I remember walking away and, and, and rolling up a new character. And that was where I, I was like, the dice are the... the extra player at the table that was where that idea came in for me in a big way it's why i generally I, i'd say 99.9 percent .9 of the time go with what the dice says even if that means my character dies because it's fun and it's 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 how the game should be played uh, <laughs> not really but hardcore like, jenny <laughs> uh it's it's one of the few things i'm actually really hardcore on because most of the rest of the time i fudge most everything and like when i'm actually gming monsters die when i feel it's right for them to die and and like there's been enough tension uh yeah no this is the point where, where they're where the the players you know kill the thing because it, it would be fun that way but when it comes to my own characters this is that that was the moment where where I decided that that the brutal death was the one for my character. I think mine was a character who also died in a con game and in a Wicked Age game. And I don't even remember like super in detail, but I remember like that's kind of an adversarial game by design and which is not a style I usually enjoy very much, but I was in a good place at the time. And like the other player and I kind of planned it out and it was satisfying for both of us. I think we our characters like killed each other at the end. They'd been like adversaries and it was just kind of one of those poetic, like the two swordsmen run each other through kind of a deal. So that was kind of fun. I got a nice quick one from Mike F mild, medium or spicy. Spicy. Grant. Spicy. If I had my way medium, unfortunately my digestion nowadays says mild. I like medium too. I like a little bit of kick, but I don't consider pain to be a flavor. <laughs> Which is a a line that I have taken from John Kavalik, um, specifically Carson the Muskrat. <laughs> if you do it right, it adds to the flavor. And if you separate it from the flavor, then the flavor becomes boring. The best one, my, my favorite spicy that I've ever, that, that I regularly have, is those bright red Nongshim ramen packets. The really bright red ones. The black ones are terrible. Don't have them. Hmm. That's one where the the pain and the savoriness are inextricable from one another. And if you try to take them, take one away, then the other is meaningless. That's when spicy is best. I don't I don't like the spices that are just pain. But like when you get that perfect symbiosis, you get a similar mm -hmm. thing with uh, with sriracha sauce. Uh, when you get that perfect symbiosis, it's just my mouth is watering. Hang on a second. You know, I don't like sriracha. <laughs> Okay. But 
in, like Indian food spicy. Love it. Mm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, or Korean. I just actually had Korean food for oh. the first time. And, good oh, so kimchi good. is so good. Yeah, it's it's quite good. Yeah, we have some beef bulgogi as well. Mm. Oh, excellent. And let's get through one of Doug Underhill's many, many questions. <laughs> Thank <over> you, Doug. <laughs> What's your favorite imaginary material and why? And these are things like permacrete, glass steel, mithril, adamantium, phlogiston, etc. Mine, I, you know, I like some of these, but I don't super care. I think I'm just going to go with the spice from Arrakis, uh, okay. from Dune. I have recently been playing Dragon Age Inquisition again, and oh my goodness, just making the metals different colors is super satisfying. And <laughs> right now I'm mildly obsessed with, oh, what's it called? It's not Paragon's Luster, but you have to often find it with Paragon's Luster. It's the blue one, the bright blue one. And it's not lyrium because that's a crystal, right? It is not. I, I do like the look of lyrium. Actually, lyrium's really pretty, but I don't think it's my favorite, at least not for crafting. I have the wiki pulled up, and Peter, if you go, then okay, sure, I'll go. I um, can find it. I I like auricalcum, um, because it can be so many different things. It's interesting, like you know, sometimes it's one color, sometimes it's another color, sometimes it does this, sometimes it does that. It's like this neat kind of legendary, you know, from Atlantis special metal that you know can have all kinds of fun powers and i always like to see what different setting designers do with it so that's my my pick i found it it's blue vitriol it it i like it also because when you find it in the game it's like this beautiful lump of like a molten kind of thing it just looks really nice it looks like a thing i'd put in my mouth i love it <laughs> fair tell you what you just do the uh, want to do the next uh doug underhill one here sure yeah all right. What's your favorite or who is your favorite Netflix original series superhero and supervillain? First off, I don't know what is an original series on Netflix. I just find stuff. I mean, my best guess for my favorite Netflix original series supervillain is Paul Hollywood. So, you know, I don't know. All of the, the sensates in Sense8 for heroes and villains for the baddie, the bad guy in Sense8. Which I've I've not watched in a long time, but like Sense8, I I do enjoy a lot, and I I genuinely like all of the the Sense8s. I've heard good things about it. It's on my eventually it ended, list. It ended too soon. Honestly, if if it's on your eventually list, take it off because they aren't going to end it. And eh. gotcha, one of those. Yeah. All right. I was um, originally looking at this through the lens of the Marvel series, so I'm going to just go with that. I think their depiction of Daredevil is pretty good. I don't necessarily like how he's written, but that's not the actor's fault. And I, I think, like, especially the way that it was in season one was was pretty solid. Luke Cage is a very, very close second. Uh, however, the villain isn't even close. The first half of the season villain of the first season of Luke Cage is just amazing. Uh, Diamondback? No, he he was awful. Cottonmouth. Cottonmouth was incredibly interesting. He had like all of this rich, deep backstory. He had all of these interesting relationships and they killed him off way too soon. It was just like, oh, man, you could have gotten an entire series out of exploring this guy. He was fascinating. The actor that played him did such a good job, too. So that's definitely my choice. I, I don't even know that he was necessarily a super villain. He was more just like a crime boss. Don't care. Still thought he was great. <laughs> so here's something I kind of want to look into a little bit. Basically, was saving the game a success? Yeah. Yeah. I think generally, 
Yes. In terms of, and I just sort of broke this down for my own purposes, right? This is not, I don't care about an outline for tonight, right. obviously. You know, in terms of creating interesting episodes, having interesting discussions, yeah, I think so. We had a lot of good good discussions. Yeah, we really did. We had some very interesting people on. We got some surprisingly big industry figures like James Wyatt and Ken Hyde at various points. Yeah, mm-hmm. occasionally. Greg Stoltz. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, definitely. Greg Stoltze, we actually had twice, and you know he was yep. he was great mm-hmm. both times. So it was good to have you on, Greg. You ever listen to this? And I mean, <laughs> you know, we he wasn't the they weren't the only ones either. I mean, you know, Daniel Kwan, um, Kimmy Hughes. I I backed Decima after we had that conversation with her. I'm absolutely waiting yep, for my yep. copy to arrive <laughs> with much anxiousness. <laughs> WC McGuffin. Yep. Yep. A few other folks, but yeah, like we we had some some cool discussions that I greatly enjoyed. You know, I I think that was. Great. Uh, in terms of raw podcast numbers, no, not very. Uh, we we were not really successful there. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Yeah, we were. I don't. I never really expected to be. Yeah. And this should be clear from the front. Peter and I, when we talked about this show back in 2012, we understood the show was never going to be large. Yeah, we right? were. This was never going to be a niche of a niche of a niche. Like, okay, so you you want Christians who are also gamers or gamers who are also Christians. Either way, that works. Okay, so that that cuts out a bunch of, you know, so we've got a a nice little almond-shaped Venn diagram slice there, who also care enough about one or both of these topics to listen to a podcast, slice, about both of these things overlapping, slice, (laughs) so. Yeah, it it was very small. Yeah. Some of it is none of us are particularly good at promoting ourselves. None of us are particularly good at promoting a show. And I think we always had a bit of a hang up about promoting the show in general, because one of the things we also established very early on with this was that this was not going to be a for profit operation. Yeah. In fact, actually, we resisted taking money in any way, shape or form for a while, even after people started asking to give it to us. Yeah. And we've definitely turned down some advertising over the years. Oh, yeah. We just kind of said no that that's that's not what we want to be which is fine and i don't think i would do it differently but it does sort of create a barrier to promotion just because it's like well what are we doing with that i mean we we have a lot of money banked in our patreon account not not in patreon it's bank account but different thing you know we have enough money to keep the show backlog on the air for you know up on the up on our website keep our site active all that sort of stuff for years because we kind of just looked at it and went, well, I don't know what to do with this. Now, some of that is 2020 meant we weren't going to conventions. Yeah. Right. That sort of thing. Yeah. We actually, we spent more of our Patreon funds and got that balance significantly lower a couple of years because we used it to defray the cost of going to conventions. We bought um, audio recording equipment for Jenny with it. Uh, this year, actually, you know, when my computer died, we paid for the replacement parts out of that, which, by the way, like, thanks again, patrons. You saved my bacon yes. on that one. My wife and 100%. I were really tapped financially, and if it hadn't been for this, I'm not sure I'd have a working computer right now. And just in terms of growing the show, it's not something we ever felt super comfortable with, and we definitely didn't know how to do it. None of us come from evangelical traditions. We don't know how to talk no. to people. Okay, so you're wrong there. <laughs> I originally come from an evangelical that's, tradition. That's true. That's true. I'm just not in one anymore, but I have always been an introvert, and I have n- never been comfortable with self-promotion. No, I, I'm same. not just terrible at it. I actively hate it. It feels disingenuous yeah, to me scummy. somehow. 
Yeah. I feel scummy. I have to take a shower every time. I'm like, hey, I also have a podcast that's called Saving the Game, and I talk yeah. with Grant and Peter about cool stuff. I, I like, I can feel myself receding and scumming up at the same time, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. Oh, it's terrible. And that is not conducive to growing a show. Yeah. No. Now, in spite of this, in terms of building a listener community, I think we were incredibly successful. And I think part of that actually might have been because we were so reluctant to do self-promotion is that that leaves you with people who, you know, see what you are in a very genuine way and like it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, you know, like our listener community is great. One of my favorite things about having done the podcast, but we'll get into that list later. In terms of its actual mission, eh, hard to say. I mean, let's define the mission first off. If people are coming in at the beginning. Building bridges between the gaming and Christian communities. I think we did a good job of capturing people who are already in the Venn diagram overlap. I'm not sure how much Mm -hmm. we pulled anybody from one into the other. Yeah. I would agree there. Well, you know, I say that. uh, I actually had somebody on Facebook say that we had actually gotten them into gaming. Okay. Okay. You know, I've heard that once or twice from a couple people over the years. You know, I think that we did make some impact there. Yeah, the impact has not been zero. It's it's definitely non-zero. And I think one of the things that I remember listening to Fear the Boot and actually listening to, to Chrissy as well, my, my wife, basically was like, you know, if we did this for eight and a half years and we did affected one person positively, it was worth it. Ultimately, what you know, and I think that is still true. Did I think we do did the best job we could have with our mission? <sighs> no, for some of the reasons we've talked about, but I think we did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed by what we did by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, some of it is because right now I'm too close to it, and I can only kind of look back and think, boy, I wish we'd done this better. In mm-hmm. a year, I'll probably look back and be like, yeah, you know, that was good. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. just how it goes. I am always pessimistic and cynical, so it's difficult for me to not be that looking Mm -hmm. back at my own work in terms of our own personal growth as well i think saving the game was a success oh yeah um you know i think i i definitely sort of adopted saving the game as part of my identity for better or worse i still am like if somebody says are you a podcaster i'm like yeah absolutely i am you know i do this podcast saving the game i think being able to speak on topics and being able to be out there on the internet public facing in some ways, I think is something that I learned in how to do from podcasting and have, I I think that's been enormous for my personal growth. And I also understand, I think a lot more of what's needed to do that. Well, you know, (laughs) we'll see. Yeah. Also, you didn't put this down here, Grant, but did we have fun? Because as much as you and, and Peter have like talked about the numbers and stuff, I have never cared about the numbers. Like my entire goal going jumping into this podcast with you guys has always been like like oh wow, I get to talk with my friends every other week and have fun talking with my friends. That's always been the goal for me to, is to have fun. Even if we never reached an audience at all, I would still have had fun doing this with you guys. I did for the most part with eight and a half years under my belt. There were definitely some times where stuff kind of felt like a chore. There were some topics that I was 
less than enthused about. There were some times where sure. I kept trying to get a word in edgewise and couldn't, and that kind of was annoying. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm Peter. just going to preemptively apologize because I know that's me. <laughs> and me, me too. Me too. I wasn't going to pick on you guys, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> and, you know, so there, there was that. But yeah, I mean, by and large, this was an enjoyable venture, especially the actual recording. The act of recording has always been really, really fun. Editing, by the way, is awful, and I'm never doing it again. <laughs> yeah, editing is a, oh, editing is a let, chore. Let me clarify. I'm never going to edit the same way. Like, I'm definitely going to be like, either I'm going to run it through some filters and not cut anything, except like the beginning and end, and not care, or it's going to be, I'm going to find somebody to do this for me, if I ever do any sort of podcast again. Yeah. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, oh, it's brutal. Let's be clear. You and I are not done podcasting. Like, um, no, we are both on so. City on a Hill. You are the GM, and I am one of the players. But neither of us is the editor. <laughs> that is right. Nope. <laughs> yeah. nope. By the way, hey, hey, can we thank Justin right now? Absolutely. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. So like, for those who don't know, we've talked about him some, but Justin Chivalry being out there on the internet is our editor and it's probably half the episodes maybe a little more than half these days yeah. uh, and he has done an enormous job yeah um, it, an enormous and very good job thank you Justin. the, yes. the violins in the announcement that this was going to be our last <laughs> one last time was a, a humorous touch that i actually chuckled yeah. in the car a little bit when i was listening to it so yeah it's much appreciated yeah <laughs> Because we, Grant and I never did any of that sort of thing. We didn't do sound effects. We didn't do, you know, any, like, it was just like, no, let's just cut it down. I did sound effects twice. Okay. You did a beep one time for me. Well, okay. Beeping, I, I don't even consider a sound effect. Yeah. Um, okay. But like going out and finding a sound effect for effect, I did twice when we had to edit something in later that didn't, yeah. like, we couldn't splice in. I did, a, I had a little whooshing sound that was like... I think it was uh, somebody re literally recorded them whipping a s bamboo stick past their microphone. <laughs> and that's the whoosh sound that I have. It's the one uh, sound effect file I have saved on my computer. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, uh, use this to go. Hey, so we're going to cut in here real quick. And back to this. And that, that was it. Just to be clear, by the way, I also very much enjoyed doing the recording. Right. I had fun mm -hmm. throughout. I think the vast majority of it, I am, but I'm having fun right now. Yeah. You know, it's, that part is great and I love it. And one other thing on a personal note, setting up a, a Saturday night gaming group with you two is also pretty good. Oh yeah. Right? I'm, I'm so glad that that's going to endure. So it's a little peek behind the curtain. Like I was the one who initiated the conversation that led to us deciding to, you know, end the podcast I wasn't necessarily expecting it to end, but I knew it was a possibility. But I did want to talk about it because we were all showing signs of exhaustion. We'd been pushing recording dates. We'd been just kind of dragging ourselves around in general. And it was my grandmother had just died for for mm -hmm. some other context in there as well. Like my grandma had died. And so we'd push some things like some scheduling things around. And it was just we were all McFreaking exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Pandemic and. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's and Christmas and everything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it was just like, all right, we're, we need to be done. I brought that up, but like, as part of that conversation, I was like, you guys better not leave my life once we finish this. Like, I still want to game yeah. with you, yeah, I still no. want to be friends with you. You guys are good friends, and uh, not gonna lie, Peter, I was kind of hurt that you thought that that might have been a possibility. <laughs> I realized like... at the time that it was an irrational fear, but I wanted reassurance anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wrote that off as I know Peter is an anxious person and he needs mm. that reassurance. Yeah. So that you, is exactly like, yeah. like I was not was. hurt. I knew I knew that that was. Yeah. What it I mean, was. I've been friends with both of you for like a decade. So like, yeah, for me with my my particular brand of anx- anxious brain case, it was like, oh, my goodness, has my friendship been a lie this whole time? No, <laughs> so. no, no, no. Um, it is. It was interesting, actually, Grant, I've been friends with Jenny longer than I have with you because I kind of was buddies with her on the um, Fear the Boot boards back in the, the day, which I, I suppose as long as we're thanking people, I suppose we should thank the 2012 Fear the Boot community because that's how <laughs> yeah. like, this formed and we know each other and like... Yeah, like Peter, Peter and Grant have known me since I was 14 years old because mm-hmm. that's when I joined the Fear the Boot forums and I believe you were both on there already. So you guys yeah. have known yes. me for a solid 13... 13? 13 years. Yeah. At this point. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been kind of cool watching you become an adult, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Uh, it would have happened anyway. It, uh, it would have, but it's but... it's been cool to see the adult that you became. Let's put it that way. Okay. Thank you. Let's uh let's go ahead and hit another couple of questions here and then we Yeah, can... definitely. All right. I can I take the first one cuz there's one I I'm super excited okay, to answer. Okay, fine. This is, uh, and Jenny, I think this is somebody you know. This is Yes, uh, make, make sure, no, that's not his name on the internet. His name is Mr. X on the internet. So this is from Mr. X. Uh, let's make sure to that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is from Mr. X on the internet, one of Jenny's friends. Edible bennies, a fun way to make spending bonuses literally all the sweeter, or a new way to guilt players over poor impulse control. Why not both? For the record, this is this is Mr. X glaring at my mom from across the table as she makes edible bennies. <laughs> Cause <laughs> this is basically a running gag in, in my household. Did did your did your mom make like cookies stamped with like the uh what's the name of those points in uh, Savage Worlds? Bennies. Is it just Benny? Okay, just like a B yeah, or that's something where, That's in the where middle, the term like... comes from. No, that's where it comes from. I have an old, old picture somewhere on either Facebook or Twitter or Instagram of that time we used cookies as minis. Hmm. Awesome. And then that was completely improvised. That was not intended. It's just that we didn't have a map for that game and we needed one. And so we did that. But my mom has also made... I Okay, Americans don't really get the same thing. As, as we do up here, because Canada has a thing called the loony, and the loony is a $1 coin, and it's very brassy and shiny and golden looking. So we get chocolate loonies up here. I don't know if you guys get, like, chocolate coins in the sheer, in the sheer volume that we do. So we, okay, we do. They're always okay. kind of pirate-themed, because they're oh. like pirate okay. pieces of eight kind of thing right gotcha. like a pirate doubloon gotcha. or they're silver dollars which are okay. a thing they're just you know, mm. not a very common coin but yeah they're but yeah they're chocolate coins with the uh you know the little two-piece foil wrapper around them yeah same thing my mom has used those many many times in games Gotcha. I think they are both a fun way to make spending bonuses literally all the sweeter and a new way to guilt players over poor impulse. Yep. Like I, I said, think they both. can and should be both. <laughs> At <laughs> least in a joking way. Yes, yes. Oh, you're really eating your character there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the one time I have ever played with edible bennies was actually at the same fear the con where that fiasco game was uh it was a quags game uh which is and i'll leave it up to justin whether or not to bleep this this it stands for quick game system 
It's actually free on Drive-Thru RPG right now, the second edition. And it's quite, you know, it's a little old in some ways, but it's still a perfectly functional pick-it-up-and-go role-playing game. It's super lightweight, super universal, quite a lot of fun. Uh, but it uses edible bennies, specifically. And I remember uh, this was the game where we were playing Soul Calibur character and uh, yeah, Soul Calibur characters in uh, anger management therapy. Mm, yes, you've told me about this where you just played a Voldo and hissed at people. I played. Yeah, I just played at Voldo and hissed at people for four hours and it was delightful. Uh, and I did such a good job of it that Derek Newsom was throwing candy at my head like, God, you <laughs> creep me out and you're doing such a good job playing this character. Take a minute. <laughs> Aggressively. <laughs> it was it was quite good. So uh, this, I think they are fun. Not to start doing a saving the game episode here, but I think that, you know, if you know your players and you know they have poor impulse control or they're diabetic or something, obviously find some way to work with them on that. You know, mm -hmm. be, it's the little brother thing that we've talked, you know, the weaker yeah. brother thing that we've talked about plenty of times, you know, be aware of them. But by and large, yeah, they're fun. They're great. Go for it. I think actually his next question makes kind of an interesting part two to this. So let's hit that one, too. It's another Benny's question. And this is this is also from Mr. X. Can you think of thematic Bennies that one might use for a certain genre of game, e.g. noir, mythos, horror, space opera, sci-fi and 5e D&D? So for noir, there's all kinds of little stuff. My my personal favorite, though, would be matchbooks from like sketchy looking bars if you could find them Ooh, that seems mm, like that I would like be that. just perfect but you could use shot glasses i suppose you could use bullets although i don't think i would necessarily want to do that i would not especially want to do that but myself. uh but i i think matchbooks from would be good mythos horror um you know what i think would be good for that if you could get like little, little multicolored um globs of that that gack substance that used to be like a toy oh. when we were kids if you could get like gobs oh, of that go. and just so you've got like this weird squishy stretchy thing actually i have a good idea for that having had kids who like playing with slime and you know the the sand that sticks to itself whatever you know whatever that stuff's called all that sort of stuff right tactile sand yeah there's that? different words for it but basically it's it kind of sticks together very easily and you can shape it very easily it's essentially just little microplastics get some of that gack stuff and wrap it up in saran wrap plastic wrap mm. so that you have something solid but like uncomfortably squishy oh nice <laughs> yeah that'd yeah. be perfect for mythos horror exactly space opera sci-fi i would suggest any kind of small circuit board that you've got access to if in particular old laptop ram because sodiums are are small and manageable but they've got like all kinds of like relays and chips and stuff all over them and they look like some kind of like high-tech currency or something so Go to a flea market, get cheap RAM. Yeah. I would also say if you are doing specifically Star Wars and you want to call that out, uh, cough drops. Because that's the pips on Imperial officers' uniforms. Huh. Is, oh, that's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. It is. I'd forgotten is. that little <laughs> bit of lore. That's right. It's that's... my favorite and only consistently recallable bit of Star Wars lore. <laughs> that's fun. 5e D&D &D fake gold coins. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, oh, I mean, pirate on. game. Pirate game fake pirate gold games, coins. Pirate yeah. games, yeah. Like anything like that I think is great. One note, you know how you can get super cheap old flash drives? Those would be great for any sort of cyberpunk game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that'd be fun. I don't know. It's just whatever seems... SD cards. 
would also be good for cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah it, anything along those lines. I, I, you know, it's just kind of think of something small and thematic and go for it. You know, like I could see if you were running some, you know, something like uh, Dreamhounds of Paris or something. Get like little pamphlets and and books and like uh, digest sized magazines and use those. Like, yes, they're big at the table, but they'd be fun. Like, here, I'm going to hand you this book, that kind of thing. Yeah, it'd, it'd be fun. Whatever works. Okay, Jenny, your turn. I want this particular one from Douglas Underhill. Thank you, Doug. Excluding the obvious choice, which would be Dream, which of the endless from Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics would you most want as a roommate? Death, delirium, desire, despair, destiny, destruction. Destiny. What roommate problems do you anticipate? And what unforeseen events? Obviously destiny, because he's going to keep things neat and orderly, and he's always going to do the dishes. Benefits, not events, benefits. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's, that's okay. what right. I said. Oh, I thought uh, you said we, events. We heard events. Sorry. Oh, well, but it, I meant to say benefits at least. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. My answer, nonetheless, is destiny, because he's going to do the dishes. He's going to stick to the rules. <laughs> I haven't read Sandman, but I will go with Grant's answer. <laughs> so, I, I have also not read Sandman. However, based on... A game that I backed recently on Kickstarter, Death, because would, yes, because uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the game, and I feel so bad because I'm pretty sure it's a guy who listens to the show who made it. It's basically it is a Jenga Tower based game about Death being a terrible roommate and you always having to like pick up after him and his rude manners and and stuff like that. I'm gonna up the game because it, it's it's really fun looking that might be inspired by death from the sandman comics i think you would love the character of death she's amazing like there's some really sweet and poignant stories written about her it's very much a, a product a product of its time but in a forward-looking way like the whole series i think it is well worth reading the game is rest in pieces yeah, I would recommend reading the Sandman comics. The first book of yeah. them is like maybe the most horrific because it is kind of serial killery. Yeah. The, the rest of them get a little more metaphysical and much more interesting. Okay. I honestly, okay, my my experience with Neil Gaiman's writing has been very mixed, except in comics. Every single graphic novel that Neil Gaiman has been involved with, I have loved. So, yeah. It's quite good. I will say that. The end, like it ends well. The the side stories that he's done have been very good. It's it's excellent. This is a fun one from Penny Haskell. What is your favorite cake? Vina tarta, which is our family's Christmas cake. It is Icelandic, although none of us are Icelandic. So I, I'm going to tell the story about our Christmas cake because it's funny. My my grandfather when he was when my mom was very young when my mom was like toddler age i think they were at like some sort of church function and my grandmother was you know talking to to some somebody else and immediately grandpa runs up and is like helen 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 we helen i found our family's christmas cake we have to get the recipe and she's like go ask your mom like if it's your family's christmas cake just go ask your mom for the recipe it's not like she kept it a secret or whatever and he's like no 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 i don't like any christmas cake but i like this christmas cake so this is our family's new christmas cake <laughs> and basically what it is is a cardamom vanilla -y, no not so much vanilla -y, mostly cardamom flavored dense cake layered many times with pureed prunes I'm sorry that that sounds so gross, but also it's so dang tasty. You can also do apricots, uh, like dried apricots mm. that you then rehydrate and then puree and then make a spread out of. 
Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I love it so much. The only problem that I problem that I have with it is that you have to make it like in October and then age it in the freezer for two months before it's actually nice. Although I I do often use the dough uh, as cookies because it's so freaking simple. You can add literally any liquid. It doesn't have to be milk. It doesn't have to be water. You can add any liquid you want to it and it will work out fine. Some of the best cookies I ever made that were praised very highly by my friends, I added orange juice as the liquid. It, they were, it was delicious. It was so tasty. Vina Tarta. I can, I can spell it in the show notes. I think I shall do that. Sounds delicious and I need the recipe because I've been baking a lot. Okay. Over 2020, like I learned to bake bread. Mine is uh, an angel food cake that my parents will make me for my birthday on occasion. It's it's an angel food cake, but it's covered in almond slivers and this chocolate whipped cream frosting, and it is so good. It's it, like huge. It's the cake is almost a delivery platform frosting. Like there's huge chunks of it that are kind of like hollowed out and filled with this stuff, and it's it's very very. I don't. I, it's hard to describe, but it's it's really good. <laughs> Mine is very specific. It is the sweet potato cake from the Brick Street Cafe in downtown Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. It's, imagine instead of a carrot cake, you have a sweet potato cake. And it's light, it's fluffy, it's got just a little bit of spice in there, and it's got a cinnamon honey buttercream frosting. Hmm. It's incredible. It doesn't exactly hurt... That when Brick Street serves you a slice of cake, it is the size of your largest high school textbook. (laughs) It is massive, okay? Okay. It is the size of a small desktop computer. I am not joking. One slice of this that my wife and I tried to eat, right? We split one, okay? The remnants of what we couldn't eat. Like, the, the back half of the, the thing filled an entire to-go box. <laughs> but it's okay. incredible. It's really just an exceptional cake because it – I said it's kind of like a carrot cake, but it doesn't have that chunkiness of mm. a vegetable cake. It's really just feels like a standard kind of white cake, but it is somehow also this incredibly good sweet potato cake. And it's, it's mm. amazing. It's unbeatable. It is famous throughout the town for a very good reason. Okay. What's next for us? For, the first thing I should add here, strictly speaking, saving the game could be resurrected, right? We talked about leaving the site out there for a while. We, we have enough money in our, our account to leave that out there for like six years. I actually don't know how iTunes handles defunct shows. They may just have their own copy of episodes, and those may just stay out there on iTunes forever. I don't exactly know. It is unlikely that Saving the Game will come back. Uh, Certainly unlikely that it's going to come back on a regular basis. Almost certainly not in the same format, if it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I think it is time for Saving the Game as a podcast and brand to pack it in, but that is theoretically a thing that could happen. Yeah, do not wait with bated breath for that, though. We are yeah, we are really all don't. kind of mentally done, exhausted, anxious, like everything we told you at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, 100%. I, I am honestly, I am ready to get, like, off social media in particular and, like, public internet stuff. I may be deleting some accounts now that I am no longer a podcaster. I am so, like, <laughs> yeah. Done. 
Yeah. yeah. I understand. I think we're all going to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. No, no harm in that. I do not have specific ideas, but I do want to start some sort of creative project in 2021 that is public facing. I have thought for a long time about doing some Twitch and YouTube stuff, the standard dude with a gaming channel, but at specifically leaning into the fact that I'm a dad. I actually have uh, a D-pad dad Facebook page <laughs> and a Twitter account that I tried to set up years ago. I may kind of turn that into a project. I don't know exactly. I've got some other ideas as well, but I, I don't have anything specific hammered out. It's a little too close to... I, I need some distance from this before I can really say, yeah, this is actually what I'm craving. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be focusing on library work. I'm also going to be focusing on family. Like my grandmother just died. I no longer have any grandmothers. And we, because, okay, because she requested that she be buried at the family plot in Manitoba, the ground's frozen. So I'm going to be doing some funeral planning, which should be fun for, for the spring. And sort of related to library work, I'm looking more into doing socio-political related projects. I recently joined the Abolitionist Library Association, which is seeking to abolish the police and prisons through library work. I, I would love to get more involved with that. Sounds A awesome. lot of the things that I've wanted to talk about on podcasts recently have been about leftist politics and... I th this is not the show for that like as much as no <laughs> no it's un it's not and even though we are all three very left of center you know it's it's just not the eh, show for it. I'm kind of center left but okay well, <laughs> left of center yeah like this this is not the show for it yeah it not not at all what whatever I do honestly whatever I do it's gonna be a lot more free form because like I love this show I love it very much but oh my goodness we outlined it to death <laughs> yeah we did it, it was very, like, we strictly had a, a path set out for every episode, and I don't know, I just want to riff on stuff, like... Yeah, that's I actually, know. I think, one thing that's attracting me to something else as well. Like, I would yeah. love to do a show with you that is just much more no notes, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's like, just I, talk. Very much so. An idea I had, and, like, part of why I am relieved the show is ending is because I was getting burnt out on the show and I had another podcast idea but I thought if I started another podcast it would be like I don't know abandoning you guys to be like hey I don't feel like doing this anymore I'm gonna oh. go do this other thing no no where... no 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 yeah, listen have and... you seen some of these networks of shows like have you seen yeah. System Mastery they have like 15 oh, yeah. podcasts yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean all three of us were yeah. on um uh, City on a Hill for a while. Grant and I are still there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You can do multiple things if you want to. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the one that I wanted to do is I wanted to do a sort of a riff on a topic podcast where I and a friend who may or may not be like a regular host talk about ridiculous hypotheticals in movies because some of the most fun I've had talking with my boyfriend ever is our conversation where we asked the question, can a vampire with two SMGs shoot out the bottom of a falling elevator such that when it crashes on her, it does not kill her and instead the bottom shatters in a perfect, you know, spray of concrete? Uh, underworld. Are we talking about ultraviolet? No, no underworld. I'm not. Underworld. I actually hate Ultraviolet. I am talking about Underworld, which I love mm. very, very much, even though it's objectively bad. <laughs> it's so is uh, so is Ultraviolet, and I I love it because it is objectively bad. I could not. I could not do Ultraviolet. Uh, I, I'm a sucker for colors. Eh, fair. 
As for me, at some point in 2020, I kind of accidentally became a game designer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like by the way, by the way, Peter, good on you for that. I'm actually really proud of you. That's I know. Really Thank cool. you. Yeah, I'm very impressed and very happy with that. Yeah. I'd been, you know, writing. I'd been wanting to find ways of, you know, getting paid to do my writing for a while, and one just kind of appeared, and I was like, you know what? What's the worst can happen? I'll pitch something, and I got in. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think we can talk about it. We we can about the the first thing. Um, I've been doing. Uh, Patreon, like, article things for EN Cider, which is EN Publishing's, like, weekly, basically, 5e D&D newsletter game design thing. Zine. Yeah, yeah. And um, I've done a number of those. And then I also, I can talk about the fact that I'm part of the general design team for the Level Up project that they're doing, which is kind of putting some additional crunch in newer design concepts, like uh, splitting race into ancestry and culture, um, that sort of thing, into 5e D&D and still maintaining backwards compatibility. So that's pretty Which cool. Which is great. Yeah. I'm excited to like playtest that with you at some point. Like that's <laughs> going to be fun. The playtest documents have been looking really good. Uh, one of the things that I really like that they've done is they've given the Marshall classes maneuvers. So it's not just I roll to attack and that's it. You can you have something that's kind of more analogous to like a spell or something that you can use. It works differently. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. If this sounds interesting, go look up the website. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I've got some ideas for at least one project that I would like to self-publish, probably through Drive Through RPG at some point. I will also say I'm not done with the RPG world. Oh yeah. Oh no. yeah. I'm not going to stop gaming. Heavens no! It's my primary hobby. And, and to be clear, I don't just mean I'm not going to stop gaming. I mean I'm not done being creative in that space either. I have other things to say about RPGs, and I have some game design ideas floating around. Like, I was kind of sitting here racking my brain the other day in response to a question on Twitter. Like, how would you do um, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind as an RPG? And I was sitting there thinking, I don't think there's, like, a good system for that that's tense, has some combat, but is also fundamentally hopeful and about redemption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I was trying ages ago to make a system that handled this one particular attempt to make Castle in the Sky, maybe I just need to make a Studio Ghibli RPG. Those are the kind of thoughts that run through my head a lot. I'm not done making gaming stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so <laughs> I may be talking to you guys about that. We'll see. Yeah. Let's get a couple more questions yeah. in here, shall we? Yeah. This is another one from Mike F. Um, how often, if ever, do you listen to any music with lyrics in a language you do not speak, whether that's opera, J-pop, etc.? So I'll go ahead and answer this. I'll go ahead and answer this one since I'm asking it, and I've got a relatively quick answer. I listen to some non-American metal every once in a while. There's an Indian band called Bloody Wood that's partially in. Um, I want to say it's. I I don't remember the the name of the language, and it's. It's really bothering me, but um, is it Hindi? It might be, but it's it's partially in English too, so I don't know if that really counts. I used to listen to Rammstein a little bit back when they were kind of new. I haven't done that in ages. I have also listened to that Mongolian metal band, The Who. H U. Yeah, they're they're, they're kind of they're, they're quite good. Yeah, they they also like Grant said uh, the first time we ever discovered them. They have some of the most gorgeous instruments you have ever seen. Like it is it is worth looking them up on YouTube just to see these 
amazingly like ornamental instruments. It's also worth looking them up on YouTube because throughout the pandemic, uh, when they were basically stuck in Australia, unable to go anywhere, uh, they did cooking tutorials. Huh. That's interesting. That's pretty great. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty great. It is pretty great. Occasionally, I try and listen to a really broad variety of music. I'm the kind of guy who likes finding new music, right? Like uh, all sorts of genres. I think my favorite thing that I keep coming back to that is not in English with lyrics, however, is Japanese math rock, which is different from a lot of Western math rock, just to be very clear. It's really good just kind of put it on and focus on your work music for me. Focus on driving. It's got energy, but it it doesn't really distract, but I can definitely kind of keep going with it and, and kind of rock out to it. Love it. When Now, I remember when this question was first asked, and when this question was first asked, the answer was literally daily, because I have an amazing drive to work. It is almost exactly to the second, no joke, 10 minutes. And yeah, so it's really great. So I made a, a playlist where basically, if I hit the playlist in a certain spot, it would be perfectly three songs from home to work and back. Huh. And... In that playlist, it was mostly Japanese opening themes, but like the full length versions. For a long time, it was literally just, I think it was one and a half plays through, oh, what are they called? Uh, Mrs. Greenapple? Something like that? Uh, Inferno, the the theme song for the unfortunately terrible anime Fire Force. (laughs) Oh, such wasted potential. What a good RPG setting. A pity they wasted it on terrible, terrible writing. <laughs> Fair. So Inferno was was a, a literal every day, every single day play thing. Uh, and then I got into audiobooks in a big way. And so now that's been my listening to thing. But it's still a very regular thing for me to listen to J-pop. I also got into hurdy-gurdy music and nickel harpa music, which is often... Interesting. Backed by Scandinavian lyrics. Neat. I will pick a quick one. This is from Aaron Arnold. Do you enjoy Christian movies? Generally, no. I make an exception for VeggieTales. I still love VeggieTales. VeggieTales is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not certain it counts as Christian, but uh, Muppet Christmas Carol? Oh, that's that's Christian. They literally have a whole song that's actually a prayer. Uh, They do. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not sure if it counts exactly. Yeah. It's it's iffy, depending on exactly how you're, what you mean by Christian movies, whether we're talking about the, like, genre and production chain versus, you know, movies that happen to be Christian and (laughs) have Christian themes in them. Yeah, I love Christian themes in things, even if the themes don't really work. Cough, Neon Genesis Evangelion, cough. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, like the ones that that they put on at youth group and sat us all down, it's like, we're going to watch this Christian movie because it's Christian and it's not like all the other pop nonsense garbage that's filtering into your brains. I have never really enjoyed those because they were not VeggieTales. No, they're quite bad by and large because they're, they're designed to be, they're designed to be not something we imagined is out there. Mm -hmm. And it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Having said that, as Jenny said, think movies that are good and have Christian themes in them. Uh, it's kind of obvious when you phrase it that way, but yes, I do enjoy them. Yeah. Not that I enjoy mm-hmm. movies in general. So yeah, I, I it was interesting. Um, just kind of talking about that, there were some Christological themes in like the first Wonder Woman that I've noticed and appreciated. 
Yeah, it was. I I like it when that stuff finds its way into broader media. It's a, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, this is this is what I believe, but it's also like it's a really good, solid set of themes, and it's, you know, the the redemptive and the um, constructive and creative, and it's just it's good stuff. This one's from David Hastings. Which D&D class are you least interested in playing? It's kind of funny because I'm playing it right now. Warlock? <laughs> Warlock? I'm, no, Cleric. Ah. Oh, okay. I, actually, uh, uh, Tyler is currently working on some subclasses for Cleric. And even though like, like I'm reading these things and I'm like, yeah, this is so clearly an improvement. I still don't want to play it. I don't know. I recognize that you can make some really cool stories with it, but I'm not interested. I, I don't know. Cleric was on my shortlist for this because my thought is if I'm going to play a primary spellcaster, I'd like to just go ahead and play a wizard. But I think the one that I definitely find least interesting is the ranger. I've never met a ranger that didn't bore me. Even uh, Vatten? Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. I thought I thought Daniel did a good job with Vatten. No, to be clear, the character, which is to say Daniel playing a character, great. The class, mechanically, boring extremely boring in every edition I've ever seen. Hmm. All right. It's definitely, for me, it's definitely is in the, uh, be thou either hot or cold sort of space. It's like either please be a druid or a fighter or something, or a but rogue. stop trying to be w- <laughs> whatever you are. Yeah. <laughs> I have kind of the opposite approach to you. Uh, wizard is probably my least interested one or perhaps sorcerer hmm. because I feel like, if I'm going to play a primary spellcaster, I want armor and I want healing spells. <laughs> oh, see, I love the vulnerability. I definitely love that. The vulnerability makes it fun and dangerous and you might die. But the lack of healing spells, though. I, okay, That's guy, quitter's th- th- talk. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever fully addressed this particular quirk of mine on the mics, and this is the last chance I'm going to get, so darn it, I'm going to do it here, guy. <laughs> do it. I... I actually, like, get anxious at the idea of playing a character that can't heal his friends. I mean, that's fair. I definitely am of the opinion that if I'm going to play a spellcaster, I'm going to play the kind of spellcaster that wins the fight with spells. And then it's like, I don't know why everyone was worried. No, I didn't take fireball. I took web and grease (laughs) and hold monster, you know, to win. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's like I need a list of... Of things that I can do to the bads. Yeah. I need a list of things. Like, if I don't have that list, I'm like, I hit it again, I guess. Like, honestly, that's why I'm kind of getting frustrated with Warlock. Because, like, yeah, I hex an Eldritch Bolt again, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yep, I I understand that. To give you some idea of where I'm coming from on this, uh, Peter, my favorite Diablo 2 character I ever made, and I know this is a weird jump, but bear with me. Like, <laughs> Diablo 2 is definitely a, I mean, you know what it is. It's run straight forward in a line and beat your way through enemies. It's great. It's very relaxing. I love Path of Exile for the same reason. <laughs> but my favorite character was a necromancer who didn't summon anything. They literally just cast debuffs, and they were a great party character because they literally just shut down the most dangerous fights online in Diablo 2. Hmm. It made everyone else in the party completely safe. Enemies had no vision. They were taking double damage or they were slowed. Like I had a little bit of damage output just if I were was happening to be soloing, but it was not a lot of damage. And I got constant compliments on that character because it was just like 
this is the safest I have ever felt online. Thank you. (laughs) Because it was like, yeah, they can't do anything. I have won the fight just by being here. Yeah, like the the other way I look at it is you don't need healing spells if you just kill them very fast. Yeah. So I I definitely there's a, a meme that goes around occasionally joking about, you know, wanting to play characters uh, like a wizard who sort of treats magic like music. It's like, what do you mean you don't really know evocation spells? Well, it's kind of dad magic, isn't it? You know, that, <laughs> yeah. uh-uh. And I definitely want to play exactly that character where it's like, no, I'm super into like charm core right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do get I will say, Peter, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I do though. too. I also want to say, though, like, there was another wizard concept that you were seriously considering a while ago that I would also like to see you play, which is like the wizard who is who looks at magic the way that like veteran IT security people look at code, which is like, oh, I yeah. don't trust any of this at all. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, I, I love that as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it works as a D&D character, but some kind of fantasy character as yeah. like a Shadowrun character. 100 percent works in Shadowrun. Like a magical security specialist is literally a thing and would be great. This is from Tom Stevens. What's the most unique slash novel slash interesting game mechanic you've ever had the opportunity to use? When it first came out, oh my goodness, dread. All of dread. The 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 inclusion of something as at that time outlandish as a Jenga tower combined with uh, combined with the leading questions to make your character it was pure it's pure genius it really I was so grateful to what dread has done for rpgs yeah epidai Ravical deserves enormous praise for dread massive and I, praise and i know Thank that you. we have talked about dread for eight and a half years there's a reason for that and i know people mm-hmm. kind of look at it at this point and be like yeah all right dread we get it and i know he for example actually agrees that the leading questions are more interesting than the, the, the tower. But like the tower idea, the idea that you didn't need dice and you had other ways to represent success and failure and storytelling. And tension. And tension. Yes, the tension. Oh. And it was tactile and real was mind-blowing and revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Really was. Bless now, you, Epidiah. Bless you. Yes. Yeah. I think to uh, this is... This is not quite as revolutionary, but I absolutely love this about Fellowship. When you play Fellowship, you get your PBTA care, uh, you know, sheet, right? Your, your playbook. One of the things that Fellowship does that I think makes it stand out enormously among all these other PBTA games is the playbook is not the extent of your character. Instead, part of the playbook is, so you're playing this character, you're playing... This, you know, some member of a fantasy race, because it's kind of the idea of the Fellowship of the Ring, the races of the world united against Sauron. And the idea is you're you are this band of representatives, one of each going to defeat some evil. Well, part of the playbook is you are in charge of everything about that race. Not that you're like your character is in charge of them, but you as a player define everything about them. And it was amazing to play that. I had one person basically say, oh, I'm playing a giant. Yes, yeah, so giants are like elemental concepts, and I'm playing the youngest giant, which is the giant of civilization. I had another character, you know, mine, that was 
sort of the the wizard type is like, oh yeah, we um we're all cursed. We say things and they are true. We are foretellers and everyone hates us. It's great. It's it was so magical, literally, to just sit down and be like, I'm going to tell you about the world because it's the PBTA game that I think has given me the most agency as a player over the world to say there's a section of this world that is mine and mine alone to create fully. Peter, how about you? For mine on this, I honestly like I haven't played as much that use really interesting, unique mechanics. But I do think like the first time I ever I don't know, this is a tough one for me to answer. I've mostly played like, you know, trad games and story games that are first time I had some in-game currency to spend probably was kind of interesting for me. It's weird how revolutionary binnies were at the time, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's been a long enough time where it's like, it that feels like a weird answer, but Dread's been out forever too, and I've never actually gotten to play that, but that was that's something that I know is, you know, brilliant design. And yeah, yeah I guess I'll, I'll go with like the first time I used an in-game currency. I think that was probably pretty cool. I would like to pick this one from... David Fl Flug? Flug, yes. Yeah. Flug. One of our moderators. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite episode or series? Of our I... own podcast, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I assume, I'm yeah. also assuming this is our own podcast. I think the most fun I've had, I, I, I'm going by most fun I had recording with you guys. Most fun I had recording was probably way early on. I'm not even sure I had a real mic yet. <laughs> yeah when we were talking about saints mm, that oh was that a was a good episode. one yeah that was a good episode yeah. i actually used that in like setting design and stuff after we talked about it mm -hmm. oh also uh mini little aside here i loved the creative game design thingies that we did as well those were episodes. fun oh yeah, yeah. The, we just sit down and brainstorm yeah, yeah if i was gonna do really, another really podcast fun. i would want to just make that the whole thing like, I mean, you yeah. know, Mike and I had a, a podcast that we tried to do, The MacGuffin Factory. Yeah. Mike Perna and I. Yeah, I remember that. I would be totally fine with a podcast like that. It's just, hey, let's just brainstorm. Let's just do the fun part of game design. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it might be, be something to think about for an occasional thing in the future, but... Yeah, there you go. For me, I'm going to go ahead and say, and this is not to say, other, you know, Peter can't choose this too, the Virtues and Vices series. I honestly feel like that was the height of saving the game in some ways. Not every way, but I feel like that was me doing my most, like my best research. I think that was us really hitting that intersection of faith and gaming. I think that was us doing like the deepest dive into theology, and then applying that at the gaming table and in our lives. Like that felt like a Sunday school learning session for me, but also it was gaming. Like that, I, I feel like that was my favorite. That was a good one. I am going to say, though, that it's not my personal favorite. I think my personal favorite, and this is a little bit of a cheat, but that Faith in Gaming panel that we did when we got Sarah Lynn Bowman and Jack Birkenstock and Shivam Bhatt and Derek White all on at the same time and picked their brains. That was interesting, yeah. If I have to go for something that was straight out of the, the podcast itself, in terms of, if I'm going to use Jenny's... Uh, standard of what was the most fun. I think once we actually got rolling, the alignment series was great because we we had like such an interesting mix of constructive things to say and just 
criticism for the concept in general. And I, I think it was cool that we got so much out of that. As far as like the actual high watermark for like intersecting our, our core, you know, Venn spheres and stuff like that, I think Grant's right. I think Virtues and Vices was was a strong contender there. If I can throw out an honorable mention, episode 25 with Jack Birkenstock. Yeah, that was good. That kind of blew my mind. That was one of those revel- like mind-opening kind of things. It was like, oh, we can, add, like, I'm not just making this up when I say this on the podcast. People actually use gaming for good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was weirdly validating, even though it was nothing that we were doing. But it was also just fascinating to hear somebody talking about this in an applied sense. It was amazing. Yeah, and I mean, to have that person be Jack Birkenstock was just icing on the cake. Just the best of dudes. Absolutely. Jack is exactly the same on the mics as he is in person. And that's a very, very good thing. He's a lovely man to talk to in person. He's just warm and genuine and smart and humble and yeah. Oh, tough one there. I don't know. Uh, other the, let's let's ask this. Since we're kind of talking about what have, what have we enjoyed about doing this podcast? I know we've we've hit this a little bit. I, I would say for me, we've talked about you know the listeners a lot. You guys are awesome. Look, just to be clear, you guys are number one. Listener community is great. Sitting down to talk with you two has been just delightful. Yeah, having a regular scheduled conversation with two close friends that have shared interests has been very nice. It's like a book club without all of the sniping back and forth between <laughs> middle-aged ladies who have nothing better to do. It's it's like a really, it, it is so good and pure and wonderful to get deep into topics and dissect topics with your friends. It is lovely to do that. I don't get to do that very often. Podcast ideas. oh yeah intellectual exercises with your friends is very very fun and to have it regularly every other week was something to really look forward to i'm glad we still have gaming because like i really like having scheduled fun Mm -hmm. with my friends yeah so do i one of my biggest ones is the guests and the other podcasters i really enjoyed being able to talk to the incredibly interesting people we got to talk to on a regular basis I suppose like, you know, we've we've got this list of guest hosts and stuff, but some of my my personal favorites are Derek White, who's still a personal friend, Dr. Sarah Lynn Bowman, who like the first time we got somebody with a Ph.D. on, I was like, oh, boy, you know, how is this going to go really, really well? Sarah is as nice as she seems on the mics. I have talked to her a couple of times, like, you know, via messaging clients and stuff, you know, scheduling things or just, you know, picking her brain a little bit. And other podcasters in our our space that want to talk about, you know, like the intersection of psychology and gaming with somebody who's very, you know, well read on those. Do not feel anxious about approaching Sarah at all. She is a lovely human being through her and people like the Adams from Game to Grow and Jack we kind of forged this connection with a like the therapeutic and academic gaming communities kind of by accident. And those are really interesting people, too. I, I still have a like the the first collegiate textbook about role playing games sitting on my shelf that maybe I'll actually have time to read now that the podcast is over. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear that the only time I can ever recall probably because it's the only time I've ever done this, going out and purchasing a textbook just because I wanted it. The listener community, like Grant has said, like our listeners are such nice people. Some of some of our regulars or the like the people that became, you know, moderators in our 
uh, Discord and stuff are just really just lovely, wonderful human beings that I'm I'm glad that we will still get to interact with on the Discord. And for me specifically, the impetus to keep writing, doing those every other week blog posts like that uh, setting design series that I kind of bailed out on when I realized I was making something that might be interesting to, you know, that was interesting to write about, but didn't work all that great as a gaming setting, or at least not without significantly more work when I tried running a game in it. Yeah, it's been it's been cool to kind of have some of that stuff in my life. And I'm also glad I learned a bit of audio editing, although like Grant says, it's a chore. <laughs> it's not something I have ever relished doing. I don't think I hated it with quite the fiery passion that Grant did, but I was also not quite as much of a perfectionist as he was, especially in kind of those middle years. I've got to let go of the perfectionism. <laughs> That's what it, what, it, what it comes down to. Yeah. I also, um, I really didn't start editing a whole lot until... Grant had already switched over to Reaper and I, you know, he was able to get me switched over to that. And once I'd gone through and edited like one episode with that, it's so much faster than Audacity. And better quality. Yeah. For myself, I think meeting other people in the space obviously has been fantastic. Uh, like, I mean, we're still doing City on a Hill, for example, right? With Ryan Felton, which is delightful. And I think for me, the other big thing was when I really did discover something, doing research for the show, I love doing that. I, I, lo I still love learning things. So doing a deep dive on like the history of tarot cards or werewolves and symbology or sainthood and what, you know, the theology of sainthood, like that kind of stuff is fascinating. And I love doing that, you know, and that was a delight when actually, when I actually had a chance to do that and delve in to those topics on the podcast. It was really fun. For me, I think it's pretty much everything that Grant and Peter have listed, but especially the way that I enjoy media is by dissecting it. This was essentially a long extended, and by media, I also mean like the Bible and and other written works about theology. I love dissecting those and breaking them up into little pieces and then putting them back together. I love doing that. That's how I have fun. Th this was essentially a long extended version of that, of what I do regularly as I'm reading, as I'm watching things, as I'm listening to things. I think it also helped me do better at explaining the, the way that I think about media and the way that I think about gaming as well. Fun fact, I, I thought I had no knowledge of like how game mechanics worked until <laughs> I went on Gameable Disney or Gameable Saturday morning cartoons to talk about uh, Toad Patrol. And then I was like, oh, wait, I have been talking about gaming on a regular basis for over a year now, and I I do actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Also, those Toad Patrol episodes of uh, Game Bowl Saturday Morning were amazing. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah same they with were the really Batman the Animated Series ones. I love those. We got to stop here and like specifically call out and thank Chris and Katrina Ernman Newton. What lovely, wonderful people we have. I, I had so much fun every time we interacted with them. There was a joke internally about the combined like gameable STG extended format where it seemed like whenever we would sit down with them, we could not talk for less than four hours. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Exo Squad marathon. I love those people. I I miss the gameable podcast so badly. I just like I do too. I, although I'll tell you. Getting a daily mega dumbcast fix is great. <laughs> I, I gotta pick that up again. Like, you, no, you do. You know what they're doing this season? Hmm. It's the Secrets of Shadowloo 
supplement for the White Wolf Street Fighter RPG. Oh my. Yes, <laughs> I should so probably good. make some time. <laughs> it's so good. Ah, uh, yeah, so good. All right, let's let's knock out some other questions real quick. And then cuz and then we'll get to we have a big list of people to thank. It will not be comprehensive, just warning you yeah. because eight and a half years, I guarantee we're going to miss some people. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we we don't want to snub anybody. It's just like, the, yeah, we, we just have, can't. <laughs> we have been so fortunate to come into such an enormous crowd of awesome human beings that we just literally cannot get it. We cannot get we you all. We can't thank everybody who has been wonderful to us for the last eight and a half mm-hmm. years. But first, let's do some Patreon questions. Do we want to just like do a block of Douglas Underhill? Yeah, real quick? Let's, yeah, let's, let's, do let's just let's just do that. Because that's going to like he's going to give us a bunch of deep stuff that we're going to have to dig into. <laughs> he so. is. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm limbering up the shoulders. Finished my sangria. I'm going to start with this okay. first one up at the top here because this is this is peak Doug Underhill. What answer would you have given Job? What's your answer from the whirlwind? I'll give you my answer to this question right now. I'm not God. I decline to answer. (laughs) Similarly to me, because like, okay, my family and I actually read Job recently, like as a family. And oh my goodness. Okay, I, I, okay, Grant, you go because my my Bible, my copy of my Bible has like uh, title headings for every chapter. And oh, my goodness, the ones in Job are hilarious. This is my opportunity to talk about my favorite, most memeable moments from the Bible. Oh, my goodness. Well, unfortunately, I don't know that I have a good answer. Like, I don't know what I would have said. I think my answer is uh, first off, it's very hard for me to say, oh, well, I know what I would say instead of what God says. I mean, that's just uh, that's that's. A tough ask. I don't know. I'm not sure right now, you know, here at the start of 2021, living in the USA, I don't know that I have a good answer. I found I found the the captions. Job's present state is humiliating. Job feels insulted. And this <laughs> Eliphaz says Job presumes much. Job says friends are sorry comforters. Job says his friend's proverbs are ashes. Job's life seems futile. And this one has become a joke in our household. Job's friends are no help. I mean, that, yes, that's correct. <laughs> Job says God seems to ignore wrongs. And then here's why I would, I do not have an answer for this. Because this little jerk, this little guy towards the end who... <laughs> Elihu claims to speak for God. Yeah. That, like, I'm not going to try to do that. Oh, God is displeased with Job's friends. So, yeah, those are my favorite captions, my my favorite memeable moments from my particular copy of my Bible. So, so yeah, I'm I'm not... uh, The closest I could maybe get is... I don't know. I'm not... I'm not... I don't speak from the whirlwind. I'm no good at that. So, yeah. Next one here. Create a pretend playlist for this episode. Each of you can contribute up to three songs, or if you can't think of specific songs, then an artist or particular album. I mean, I'm sorry we put this one off till this one. I don't know. Closing time? Well, we, we didn't actually put it off. It just didn't come up. <laughs> it, yeah, it just didn't come. We, we rolled terribly. We did. I have a few, actually. Um, there's one. Uh, I cannot remember. Finale... Finale by Ma- Madeon, Madeon, Madeon is a good one. And then there's one by a different guy. They're all sort of techno-y. Oh, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, but I can I can never remember it. It's it's a really long song, so I never actually listened to it. 
Uh, for, oh, for fun, I'd put Sparkle Mountain by Andrew Huang because it's very good. It's just fun. And I, I'm honestly having more fun with this episode than I've had with this podcast in a, a little while. I can't remember the name of it. It's it's a, a another one about endings and new beginnings and stuff like that. And it's by a guy who normally does like techno-y kind of things, but he went straight piano for hmm. this one. It's nice. I could also go with uh, something off Cold Specs' uh, 2012, I Predict a Graceful Expulsion, which is uh, real dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you something a bit more, like, hopeful and optimistic. Um, it, it doesn't, like, fully... It's not on the nose at all, but just kind of the song My Immortal by Cobra and the Lotus... Not the Evanescence one, and it's not a cover. <laughs> they are two very different songs with the same name. That one, I think. In fact, actually, the entirety of Prevail 2 is something that I would, which that song is on, that I, I would recommend. But I don't know that, like, all of the songs on there would be totally fitting for the just kind of like that hopeful, almost kind of soothing quality that that one has. I'm kind of tempted to say Roll the Stone Away by Peter Eide, too just to kind of like even more explicitly engage with the, the faith aspect of things. Good choice. If I have to come up with one more, I think I would say David Lamott's In the Light, uh, which includes a lovely little bit of simple gifts in there. Really good song. I, I think that sums up a lot of our show in a lot of ways. Very much about, you know, being together and fellowship and holding each other up. All right. I'll have to listen to that one. I don't think I've ever heard it. God, if I haven't gotten you into David Lamont yet, you've, you've, come on. You've, I've uh, clearly you, failed I've as a definitely, friend. I've listened to some of his stuff, but I don't think I've listened to that specific one. I'll find it on Spotify or something. and Find it, as if I'm not going to send it to you immediately after we hit stop. <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. It's right. Times Like These by The Eden Project. Oh, good, good choice. Yeah. yeah. Next one from Doug. You have to live on one continent, so choose Westeros, Zendrick, Ancelon, or Hyboria. Feel free to quibble about fictional time periods. Zendrick, that means I'm on Eberron. I can get off of Zendrick and go to Sharn. Hyboria's <laughs> <laughs> got better monsters. I'm choosing that. I don't know any of these except for Westeros. Okay, Wester Westeros is Game of Thrones. Zendrick is one of the continents of Eberron. Ancelon is uh, Dragonlance, and Hyboria is Conan. I don't like any of them. <laughs> yes, I, I think that was the intent of... <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, Zendrick, because I know vaguely what it's like. Yeah, it's fantasy jungle Australia. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like surface drow and fire giants. It's an interesting place. Okay, you know what? Yeah, Zendrick. Actually, solidly Zendrick. I think I could survive Zendrick with a crowbar. I think I could do that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. All right, last one. Douglas Underhill. So last question here. Alas. You have been killed by a villain. Now you must choose a fictional protagonist to bring your killer to justice or get revenge. Choose wisely. Bonus points if you describe how justice would be served. Uh, I would choose Captain America to follow the law and track the person down and bring them in using proper channels. I'm boring that way. Oh, definitely the Red Panda. <laughs> We're like, go full mystery man, hypnosis, laughing from the shadows and, you know, terrify my uh, my killer and bring them to justice, uh, to justice, if not uh, legal recompense. Murderbot, 
tempered by their friend that, that I can never remember the name of. I love this series. It's literally one of my favorite series, and I can never remember any of the characters' names except for Art and Murderbot. But yeah, Murderbot. Murderbot would actually do like a really good job. There you go. Murderbot would do a fantastic job. Okay, let's get some thank yous in. And by some, I mean so many. Lots. Now, some of these may be repeats from people we've mentioned. That's cool. That's fine. Don't worry about it. I got to start with the Christian Gamers Guild. We have not talked about them a ton, but they were there very early on, well before us, and we could not have done our first episode without them. (laughs) I cribbed very heavily, maybe too heavily, honestly, (laughs) from their FAQ for that first episode when I was, you know, a young and scared first-time podcaster uh, with my beard in my microphone. And um, uh, yes, I remember the, the squelching the noises squelching. that yeah. you said that would happen. Yeah, don't use headsets, kids. But yeah, it's just we have learned a lot from them and they have always kind of been there in the background for us, which has been kind of nice. A couple other folks as well. We t- mentioned the Fear the Boot community, Fear the mm-hmm. Boot in general. We yep. kind of need to thank because that's where we all met. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, Dan Rupperger in particular, because he was the one who founded that community and he guested on an early episode of our show, actually. You say early. He yeah. was our first guest. Yeah. Yeah. He was. That was episode what, like five or something like that. It was it was in the single digits. I think seven. But yeah. But before we hit 10 anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I know that because number nine or no, number 10 was Shannon Dixon. Yeah, Jenny's yeah. mom. <laughs> Me mom. Which was great. Yeah. Re- before we talk about other guests, though, I do want to thank Brandon Levins. Yep. Who was a guest, or not a guest, he was our host for a very long time. You know, he dropped out of the show. Episode 50. Episode 50, but he really helped us kind of set the tone for the podcast, and I really appreciate the work Brandon put in. Uh, likewise, Michael Ham, who only hosted with us for like two episodes yeah. before real life <laughs> took him away. But we appreciate that, Mike. Yeah. We, we, we do. We have not forgotten. Yes, I we have not. Mm-hmm. He was actually there for one of our best episodes ever, um, which was that first conversation with Jack Birkenstock in episode 25. So at least he got I to be there for that one. I remember editing five tracks for that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was you, me, Brandon, and Mike all at the same time. That was, oh boy. Yeah, and Jack. And Jack, yeah. yeah, that was that was a full house. I, I don't think we had a track that large until we did the gaming fitness episode again. No, we didn't. Ben Rome was another one that we had a couple of times. I wish we had gotten him on again like later on in our run we We just never did did. once but yeah he was really the first industry person we ever had on and that was great yeah and he's a lovely guy like he's so much fun to talk to and like i like i said i wish we had gotten him back again in more recent years that's kind of a regret of mine okay so we're we're to one of the the biggest like most important names on here hashtag every 33 guys mike (laughs) yeah mike 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 The founder of Inroads Ministries and Game Store Profits. Yep. The Mike Perna. Let, let me also not uh, neglect Barden Bible. Oh, yeah. Which is which, yes. his thing that he Barden does that Bible. is really growing a lot. If you want a geeky fantasy devotional, let me tell you. I will, I will go so far as to say that out of everybody in this space, all of us, all of the geek ministry people, that Barden Bible podcast is probably the best content that is being produced. And I would say that Mike has probably been the most influential out of any of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, he certainly has been. What a guy. <laughs> like, and once again, just an absolutely lovely human being. Um, oh, yeah. 
just I'm really grateful for like his early support and for, you know, like the wisdom that he shared with us and just he, he happily offered to syndicate saving the game through his website yeah. just to make yeah. sure that we got more listeners. And we we love that. Yeah. Mike, you're an awesome dude. Yeah. We, we love you to death, man. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. He literally cannot thank you enough. I suppose. Steve Georgura. Yep. Great guest. Yep. Reverend Derek White, the geek preacher himself. Mm-hmm. Very good friend yeah, of the show. Like, oh, very, very good, good guy. friend of us. Yeah. Met mm-hmm. him through having him as a podcast guest, and he just became a friend after that. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Meeting him at Fear the Con was just yeah, a delight. Yeah, I have met him in person. I have I have been hugged and kissed by that man. Um, <laughs> yes, I have <laughs> too. There's photo evidence of him doing that. It was funny. We all posed together, and he gave us both a peck on the cheek. It was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. well, there's that scripture about brotherly kiss there. So Exactly. And just so you know, Derek, I still have my eye on MidSouthCon. All right? <laughs> I'm coming. As soon as we start having conventions again, I'm heading to I'm heading to Tennessee to hang out with you, okay? <laughs> just, just watch out. I'm coming. A couple other guests that we've had on that I want to thank. Uh, Ed Healy, Kenneth Height, Devin Kelly, Josh Jordan. We mentioned Chris and Katrina Ernman Newton before. Some of, I think, our best conversations. It's really wonderful having other podcasters on. I kind of feel like, like aside from Dan Repperger, obviously Fear the Boot, right? We we had no idea what we were doing. But when we sort of felt like we were established podcasters, having another podcaster on was a really interesting experience. Yeah, it it was interesting. I remember like after we um, had like some of these other podcasters on the, the first time, which I I think was Dan, but we didn't really realize it. Maybe it was Mike or I think it might have actually just been, you know, Chris and Katrina. But we we kind of like you know, we were talking after, you know, the, our guest had logged off and it's like, boy, it's a whole nother thing when the guest is another podcaster, isn't it? The conversation just flows so much smoother. And well, we had that with Mike, too, but I don't think we recognized it. And I think I think Chris and Katrina were the ones that gave us a sufficient sample size to realize that that's what it was. I think it's that, but also our personalities all like mesh really they well. They really do. Oh yeah, like, in 100%. any possible conceivable combination too. Yeah. Like I still have yet to co- talk with Katrina. Oh, really and you and Katrina would get along so well. I know we would. It would be so good. Derek Knudsen, Reverend Jason Wood. Uh, fun fact. Jason Wood's episode is our most popular episode, <laughs> aside from our very first one. Still, huh? That's pretty cool. Still. Yep. Kyle Rudge? Kyle Rudge, yes. Really interesting having Kyle on. I loved that. Yeah. It was it was funny because I remember when we were first going to get him on, you were like, I, I don't know who this guy is. I'm a little uncertain about this. I was like, oh, here, let me, let me get you... Um, a, a recording that, you know, that Derek or it was either Derek or Mike. It might have been both of them pointed me to. It was Kyle Rudge and another guest that we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, Chris Odie having like a panel at a con. Yeah. And Grant listened to that and he was like, oh, I'm looking forward to this episode now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and we yeah. had him back yeah. again to talk about publishing. And yeah, he's he's a fascinating guy. Fun fact, by the way, Mythos and Inc. has another book of geek devotionals coming out in March. Yes. Yeah. And uh, that is that is Kyle and his people. So really good there. Greg Stolze. I have to personally thank Greg Stolze for making Unknown Armies, first of all. Yeah. Um, But also it just like I think of all the industry people and I don't want to insult anyone here, but I think he's my favorite of all the folks we had on. 
just I in think terms we of like might be getting to my personal favorite. I am not interested in picking favorites. Yeah, I, I don't know. But... That's fair. That's fair. But I just I, I, I wanted to say that because I find the work he does fascinating and it's been incredibly influential for me. I still maintain he sense? is one of the mm. most readable game designers out there. Yeah. If you're going to just grab a gaming book and read it just to enjoy it, Greg Stoltze is some primo stuff. Like, his writing mm-hmm. style is so solid. His game design is so interesting. Like, all of the stuff about, like, different types of stress and things and unknown armies is is good. And just having having him be willing to come on our tiny little podcast and talk with us twice was really great. Um, in fact, the second time, he actually kind of reached out to us, which was super cool. So mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Greg was great. Uh, next one we've got on here, James Wyatt, was also just wonderful. And mm-hmm. it, it was funny because, like, I feel a little bad about this. I enjoyed talking to James so much, I didn't want to let him go. I wanted to keep the conversation <laughs> going. James, yeah, I, like, yeah. I, we finally, he finally was like, I have to eat. Yeah, I like, I, oh, sorry, I, sorry. I, um, I sincerely hope that I bump into James Wyatt at a convention again someday or something, mm-hmm. just because what a what a lovely man, like warm, yeah. interesting, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know, like, Watsy, you've got a good guy there. Like, I, I just really like James Wyatt. He was really good. Reverend Chris Odie, who we mentioned, you know, kind of in the context of talking to Kyle Rudge, was also really good. That was a very, mm-hmm. like, vulnerable and heartfelt discussion. Yeah, that might be the most emotionally draining guest we had on. In a good way, though. Like, in a go- very yeah. good way, to be clear. But yeah, that was like, oh, that was a deep and hard discussion. Yeah, yeah, that touched on things like death and, like, yeah, that was... <laughs> Yeah, death, hypocrisy, and yeah, all sorts of stuff. It, that was a tough one, but boy, was that a good episode. Yeah, uh, Kimmy Hughes, we had her on twice yes. in completely different contexts. Yeah, I gotta say that fitness episode has reached a lot of people, which has been great. And then having her on to talk about like a game product that she made, Decima, also really good. Yeah, J- just fantastic. Not gonna lie, that one, the Decima one, I was all prepped to like have backlash because tarot cards, but we didn't, and I'm no, so glad yeah. that we didn't. Because I that still kind of want to learn so to play good. Tarochi after that. Because I kind of like do, the, yeah. the fact yeah. that it was a game. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, this, this sounds like a fun game. It's it was played for yeah, centuries. Yeah. It must be good, you know. It's like I, I, I like spades. It seems <clears> yeah, fun. yeah. Card games are just straight up card games are fun. Uh, likewise, Chris Hussey, it was great to have you on for if you're hearing this for the fitness episode. The only signed gaming book I have is one that Chris Hussey wrote. Oh, I just really? that, that <laughs> nice. <you> guys, yeah, because <laughs> I found it secondhand. Second time I ever went to Fear the Con, I I brought with me. Um, oh, what's it called? Rogues and Princesses? Something like that? It's a Battletech module. I found it secondhand, and I and the name on it was Christopher Hussey, and I was, like, at that point, like, a regular r- listener of Fear the Boot, and I was just like, I need to get Chris to sign this at Fear the Con. Yes. <laughs> he apologized in it. <laughs> he apologized <laughs> in the signature. Because uh, he didn't think it was a very good module. That's I don't fun. know. I, 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 I can't speak to that. I haven't played it, but I... He, it's the only signed RPG book I have. That's fun. On that same episode, we had my wife, Chrissy. Yep. This is a good time for us to pause real quick and thank all of our family members. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you have put up with a lot. You have. And we appreciate it. <laughs> you, we do. I was, yeah. Okay, so this is embarrassing, but I have to, like, for me, I have to say it. Chrissy did not have an, e- an easy delivery of our first child. She was in 
labor for four days. It was miserable. Like active, like we were trying to induce, it was miserable. I had just started this podcast when she was about six months pregnant. Okay. And I was so proud of it. She, it was, she was like, I need something to listen to. So I was playing her like our first six episodes of saving the game <laughs> in the hospital. Cause I was like, well, you need something to listen to. I'm kind of proud of this. Here you go, hon. So, uh, her patience is legendary and, um, she's been incredibly supportive. She's put, put up with a lot over eight and a half years. It's been great. Um, my kids have been really good about stuff. My, my parents who do not game in the slightest, are happy to share episodes out like they appreciate the work that I do. You know, family and friends all over the place have been just enormously supportive. And we could not have I could not have done this personally for eight and a half years without them. Special thanks to Chrissy for this specifically because she's been a guest as well. And she's yeah. done a lot for us. But boy, family has meant a lot. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. Hey, okay. So speaking of Chrissy, it was fun to get her on as a guest for various topics because that was like the largest cross section of our gaming group we ever got on the air. And so yeah. that, that changed mm-hmm. the dynamic a little bit because your your wife has a certain kind of wry humor that she brings to discussions that you don't say. Yeah, that uh <laughs> that definitely changes the dynamic in a fun way. I, I think like yeah. if you've ever had any doubts which you shouldn't but if you ever have had any doubts that like the hosts and our gaming group are good friends off the air just pull any episode with chrissy on it and watch those just like she was a fun guest i'm glad she was willing to come on at the times that she was our next one is um dr sarah lynn bowman who i sang the praises of earlier and i'm going to continue to sing the praises of now she's like one of the leading academic researchers in the academic role-playing space and she was willing to just come and kind of slum it with our tiny little podcast because we were interested so thank you sarah you you brought a lot of like professional credibility and just a lot of like interesting knowledge and genuine warmth and you know not a small amount of friendship too so (laughs) i'm i'm very grateful that i got to meet dr bowman and i hope i can at least kind of stay in contact with her as things go forward absolutely a few other guests, Matthew Serber, uh, Adam Gottfried, Adam Davis and Adam Johns from Wheelhouse Workshop that's now Game to Grow. Uh, again, in that same gaming as therapy, gaming as uh, psychology kind of space. Yep. Fantastic people. Jacob Toman, Michael Mendes, also great guests. Tim Decker. Yes. Yeah, personal friend of ours that we kind of know knew through this show and finally got on. Stephen Weiss. Okay, so let's let's take a moment yeah. to talk about Stephen. I one of one of my regrets a little bit about the podcast is that we only got Stephen on one time because I know. and I, that is entirely our fault because he was totally willing to come back after that first time that um we had him on and we just never made it happen. Stephen is probably one of the founders of the entire like concept of geek ministry. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I have God Loves the Freaks within reach yeah. right now. And I believe you had read that either very early on in the podcast or before we started, and that was influential to us. It was one of the book, like one of the two books I read before we started the podcast. Yeah. Stephen, thanks for both being a really awesome guest and also just kind of being a forefather and a pioneer. Yeah, Stephen, Stephen is a, a really good dude. <laughs> really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this next couple is a pair that we had. Yep, Daniel yeah. Silver and Father David yeah. Subu. I still want to go to Doxicon one day. Yeah, same. same here. Sounds great. 
Yeah, sounds yeah. like a good time. The next ones, Alan Mowers, Ashley Mowers, and Kyle Stainbrook. Okay, you've got to let me take this one. Please do. Be- okay, so yes. Alan Mowers, Ashley Mowers, and Kyle Stainbrook are the three hosts of the MinMax podcast. It was interesting because we we stumbled across them. I, Grant, I believe, discovered them, and I was like, oh, somebody else kind of in the same space doing pretty similar stuff to us, and I went and listened to some episodes, and we got connected with them a little bit and did a crossover episode and in the time since that, Ashley and Kyle in particular have become very good, close, trusted, supportive friends of mine in particular. It, you know, nothing against Alan. He's just not around and the um, slack as much. And I, I love the guy, but Ashley and Kyle in particular have helped me through some difficult times and have just been this kind of lovely, steadfast friendship. I'm getting a little verklempt here presences in my life so thank you all three of you i just i really appreciate you guys and i i love you and yeah you are wonderful human beings and also listen mm-hmm. to min max if you like our yes. show yeah zach lorton yep. first off yes. fun gm yeah loved that game at fear the con <laughs> yeah. but also really good host i i loved talking about music in gaming with zach that was great fun yeah mm-hmm. ryan felton Oh Listen, boy, Ryan Felton. Ryan, Ryan. Okay, Buddy. so Ryan. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Big thank you, Ryan, because Ryan has been one of the most universally supportive people that we've had interactions with. He's a great GM. We love him very much. Thank you, Ryan, for being a good friend, for your dry humor and wit. It's so it's just so nice. He he's just a really nice guy and I'm I'm really happy that we got to have him on our show and that I got to to be part of City on a Hill for a short while and I I think the invitation is still open for me to come back when things are less bonkers. But yeah, Ryan's just a really good guy. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, we love you, Ryan. I'm yeah. I'm oh, I'm yeah. glad to still be doing City on a Hill with you. I'm very grateful that you agreed to be one of our moderators in our Discord. Yes. You know, like Grant and I said when we had you on, like, one of the most commonly requested things of us, both before and after we added Jenny, was, hey, are you guys going to do an actual play? And Grant and I were like, no, that is a no. lot of work. <laughs> to be clear, no, because I can't edit that much. Yeah, and also, yeah, I mean, that's really the bottleneck. Like, editing is so much more time in a podcast than basically any other task. It's even a relatively light touch on editing is double to quadruple, and that's using good software, the amount of time that you spend on the air. And good techniques. There's a reason it costs, like, a lot of money per hour of editing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Per hour of audio, I should clarify. Not necessarily hour of editing work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have an, another specific thanks as that <laughs> goes along, but Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Ryan, woof. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank Looking you. forward to the next game. Can yeah. I also can I also take the Geek at Arms guys cuz I was just yeah, on their yeah, podcast. You were. And I had a grand old time. Thank you Brian, Mike and James from the Geek at Arms podcast. Y'all are 10 out of 10 great people. I really like talking to all of you on Twitter. It's very fun. I do highly rec- like they're just such cool dudes they are it was really cool to have them on and then to guest on their podcast was also super fun it actually made me almost feel more chill about ending saving the game because 
it let me know that I could be creative in another more chill f- format. Yeah. And I really, really did. I, I really appreciate being asked to be on their podcast because no one else would let me talk about transhumanism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They've they've also just been like super supportive and trying to, you know, promote us really generous with encouragement for us. And when we announced that we were shutting down, they, they gave us a lot of love. We've we've appreciated yeah. that. That has meant a lot. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are such they are such lovely, loving guys. loving guys. And they also they're just another like podcast in this space that if you're going to miss us, you really should listen to. Their format's a little different, but their content is, you know, very similar. They're they're good. I'm going to be listening to a lot of them now that we're, you know, no longer producing content. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Brian is also in my Sunday group and he is a fantastic player. So that's that's fun. Daniel Kwan, we had him on. And if you aren't watching uh, Asians Represent, you should on YouTube. It's quite good. Jason Brick, great guest talking about publishing. That was a lot of fun. Elizabeth Garn. Really liked having her on for the alignment episode that we had yeah. her on with. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, Elizabeth Garn is like it was funny because it was it was like oh you know she's this person with you know Christ in pop culture she's you know kind of important and you know it's like should I actually reach out to her? So I just pinged her on Twitter and she was just lovely and friendly and it was it was a lot of fun having her on. She, I mean we had her on for the chaotic good episode. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah, she I once another person I would have liked to have talked to again. Yeah, initially I was a little bit nervous about having somebody else and it it wasn't like anything against her personally. It was just like I was nervous about bringing somebody else into the middle of a series. And I was like, yeah. is that going to work? What's the dynamic going to be like? Should not have worried. No, she was, it was fantastic great. to yeah. talk to. Oh yeah. Yeah, look her up. Her writings are also very good. WJ McGuffin was really fun to have uh, another, again, industry person on talking about gaming. That was great. Doug Underhill. Doug Under. We have said his name so yeah. many times. How much Doug Underhill episode. has supported saving the game? Uh, just look at our Patreon question list. Yeah. Um, also, his uh, his sermons online. I've been watching them. They're really nice. I am. Yeah. I really like watching his church. Services. I am so glad we managed to get him on at least once before the podcast ended yes. too, because he is he has been supporting us behind the scenes, financially, morally, with interesting questions, like just you mm-hmm. know encouragement again. Yeah, he's he has been one of our most steadfast and loyal fans, and I just I'm very glad for a for long him. time. Yeah, Ruben Smith Simple. Uh, we have a professional podcast logo because Ruben Smith Simple made us one for free after I chatted with him a little bit at breakfast at a Fear the Con. Yes. Yeah, he's like a, he is a professional graphic designer. This is what he does, and he did a thing for us for free. And, and just to be clear, not just our logo, like on the, the podcast, but also like the splash page kind of thing that we have on our blog, that kind of stuff. All of that was him. It's beautiful. It's great. Again, if we want to talk about back end people, Justin Lowmaster, you have yep. heard yes. his work on a lot of episodes. You know, this is Chivalry Bean, who's been our editor for a while, and he has done tremendous work. Yeah. Uh, also, yes. just a great dude in general, mm-hmm. uh, even if his puns are terrible, and he does <laughs> it, and we love him for he's it. He's been on a few episodes of uh, City on a Hill, too, so he's, he has, he's yeah. a fun yeah. guy. Absolutely. And his puns are not worse than mine. <laughs> no, he's just more shameless about <laughs> Yes, them. he is. He is, <laughs> yeah. he is. he is the pun master. <laughs> he is, and it's great. Yes. We, we love him. He's, he's a good dude. I got to thank this dude, Peter. Peter Martin over here um, for for 
when I was like, hey, Peter, do you want to do this podcast? That's a really stupid idea. He went with it. Honestly, just for being a good friend. Yeah, I, I got to mm-hmm. thank you, too, for Peter getting me into this. Peter is a very 10 out of 10 good supportive oh, friend. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for a friend, Peter's a very good, mm-hmm. good friend. Excellent friend. Absolutely. Oh, thank and you. also fun to game with and just just a good dude. Like you have been like, I've been incredibly happy to know you for all this time. Uh, the feeling is mutual. I, I'm Likewise. I'm very glad that I, I didn't know you all that well when you were just Saragon on the forums. But when we started doing the podcast together, we became friends very fast. And it has yeah. been really great having you in my life for the last most of a decade. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, thanks for not being Peter. Um, <laughs> I, I, I make this joke because for a while there, it was just Peter and I. And Peter and I were just like, we're the same person. We've got to stop being the same person at each other on this podcast. We need another voice. Yeah. <laughs> and Jenny, you've been an amazing third voice on this podcast and brought Thank so you. much to it. It's been awesome. Yeah, Thank it you. really, Thank it, you. It, like I said, never once, not for a moment, have I ever regretted having you join us. And, you know, it's Thank it's you. interesting, like, you know, there were, there have been, you know, people that we've had on that we didn't gel with as much or that sort of thing, but... Like in your specific case, you just immediately slotted right into the dynamic. Um, you brought a different perspective. It has been so lovely having you here with us. And I am so glad you said yes and made the time for all these years and very grateful. Our, our show has made better content because you were part of it. So I'm not crying about it or anything. Oh, <laughs> oh. thanks, guys. I've had a very good time. Oh, yeah. good. I'm glad. Very glad. Patreon supporters, we gotta we gotta thank them. Yeah. Uh, we mm-hmm. could not have done this show without your continued financial support for years. Yeah, we literally couldn't have. Like it was it was starting to drain Grant's bank account, and it was just yeah. So well, and and more than that, just the the ability to recover from problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we have money to get Jenny some podcasting equipment. We have money to make sure Peter can continue to record when his computer dies. Yeah. You know, we don't have to worry about all of a sudden, like, I do not have to worry about suddenly there's this $60 hosting bill. Right. That kind of thing. Like, it's just, it's been enormous. And that, that generosity, especially given the size of our listener base has been incredible. And you guys are going to ensure that the podcast stays out there for other people to consume and, and Peter's blog posts and all that other stuff stay out there for years to come. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's been incredible. Thank you. Our moderators. Um, we already yes, thanked Ryan. Discord yes. moderators. David and Greg, uh, you guys have also been fantastic. David and Greg are also in my uh, Sunday gaming group, and they are a lot of fun to game with. And they are just... They've put up with a lot. <laughs> They've... Or not like a lot, a lot, but like... They have been there they to They have do taken the on a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And they have done it with such even-handedness and grace mm-hmm. and grace is the word yeah. yeah yeah it's been helpful because that's one thing that has actually been really draining for yeah. me is kind of being responsible for a show and a brand and you know a community and all that and just being able to trust some moderators to handle that has been an enormous relief speaking of decisions that we mm-hmm. haven't regretted making you three our moderators oh boy that was a good one <laughs> like yeah it was interesting too Absolutely. when we started this the community's getting bigger we should probably recruit some mods i think we'd had some kind of a controversial thing happen 
Yeah, it was mildly controversial. And, um, yeah, mildly. I think it was like we need. Oh, I think it was when we when we went non completely apolitical. Yeah, and I was like, we probably need some help. And it was interesting. It was like, well, who do we want to get? And I floated three names, and my host, my co-hosts were like, "Yep, those guys sound good." <laughs> there was not a yep, lot of and, debate. Yeah. It was like, "Yeah," and no. they immediately were like, "Yeah, absolutely, we'll do it." Yeah, because they're selfless, generous, graceful people. Yep. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and of course, all of our listeners, like absolutely every yes. one of you who has ever listened to an episode, who has ever shared an episode with somebody else, who has you know just messaged us on social media to say that you enjoyed something that you know we put out there. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Yeah, we got we got four we more. Got of these a couple questions. more questions here, so All let's right. let's get these. All right, you want to just run through in order? Sure. Real quick? Yeah. Uh, this one from G Factor. This was one of the ones that kind of came in late here. What would be your dream theme song for saving the game? Assuming you could get the rights to any song in the world, the Promised Place Beyond the Clouds that Grant found is great. I like the one we've got. The original music that we had, I was a little resistant to getting rid of because I thought like, you know, oh, it's somber music and that makes us more of a serious podcast and, you know, we should be taken seriously and stuff. And Grant was like, this sounds like doom. I'm going to find something happy. And it took a... Well, it should be pointed out. So real quick, story about our original theme song for those who maybe haven't heard it in a long time. That was composed by a friend of mine from high school who has gone on to work in the game industry as a uh, musician. Yep. Uh, He was a composer on Pillars of Eternity. He's done some other work since then that I just haven't kept up with as much. He was the orchestrator's assistant. Not He didn't actually touch any of the music. He was the orchestrator's assistant on the Disney movie Frozen. So he's had a, you know, he's got this this very good career, but he's a high school buddy of mine that he was, and I asked him, can we use some of your music for this podcast that I'm starting up? And he was like, oh, yeah, just pick one off my website. I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> and so I chose this. And the reason it's so somber is this is well before the HBO series came out. This was a uh, theme song that he had composed for Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Right. So that w- that was something that he had kind of been like, well, what do I want to set that to? And that was his idea of a theme song for a show based on it, oh, which wow. is why it's so somber. Yeah. Now, I-, I will say, like, it is an amazing piece of music, but it was a little too somber mm-hmm. for a podcast. <laughs> so, it really was. Yeah. I-, I didn't know. I was, well, neither I was eight and a half I years younger at the time. I was getting rid of it. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, it sounded good. Yeah. And it was free music that I knew how to get. <laughs> <laughs> we've got another one from david hastings what is your favorite film portrayal of sherlock holmes uh f- michael Caine without a clue okay it's the best one it really is and i'm not joking uh my my michael Caine and why i'm forgetting names left and right today oh my god oh, we're two and a half hours in i don't blame you ben kingsley mm. michael Caine and ben kingsley without a clue it's it's got some some problematic jokes in there, but you know what? Okay, it's still a great movie, and it's one of the best Sherlock's ever. And that that sounds really good. That pairing sounds great. It's fantastic. It's so good, and it's not like you're. It's it's what if it's one of the standard like what if Watson was the actual genius and Sherlock was a bumbling fool. I love it so much. It's so good. So the closest I have ever seen to a film portrayal of Sherlock Holmes is The Great Mouse Detective. Like, I've literally never seen a Sherlock Holmes film 
at all in my life, I do not think. So I'm going to go with David Suchet as Poirot. Okay, yeah, you know, I'll kind of, I kind of like that too. Um, he was, those were on PBS for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. and they uh, were on Netflix and I think might be back on Netflix. Oh, I may have to look those up. There's some nostalgia oh, really? there. We've never had Poirot on Netflix up here. I think so. I could be wrong, but they were on for a while because uh, Chrissy and I watched them through at some point. They were great fun. I do know Columbo's back on Netflix. Ooh, that's another one that I'm nostalgic about. I may have to go binge some of that, too. Last two from Penny Haskell. Yep. I'm going to do these in reverse order. Where in the world would you most like to travel? Japan. Okay. Philadelphia. Why Philadelphia specifically? Because they have the Mütter Museum, and I, I like weird anatomy things. And also they have a sandwich shop that doesn't do sandwiches with bread. They do sandwiches with giant pickles. Hmm. Okay, no, like, I'm changing my bread. answer. Because I want that. <laughs> that sounds great. That does sound pretty oh, they good. also have uh, one of the first black female-owned comic book shops in the eastern United States. And honestly, I really want to go there. It looks like a really cool comic book shop. It's a comic book and coffee shop. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's hard for me to pick. Some of like the old, like really historic locations in the UK like it would be cool to go see like London and Stonehenge and because I, I mean that's that's where a lot of my ancestors were from I'm I'm kind of yep. from like you know waspy Anglo-Saxon stock a bunch not all I mean I'm I'm very much an American mutt France for the same reason I, I guess there's pretty significant French ancestry I would love to see you know Paris and the Eiffel Tower and Normandy and you know some of that stuff so I guess just kind of the old country in general terms would be pretty cool because I've I've never had the opportunity. London's lovely. You know, uh, Britain is lovely in general. Uh, it's where we honeymooned, actually. And it's great. OK, last question for Penny Haskell. What have you learned from the pandemic? That our podcast can't survive it. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> that too. I think I would say that this is going to sound right. We live in a society. We are dependent on our neighbors. We cannot be individualistic. We live in conjunction with other people. We are social creatures, and doing the right thing is not a matter of individual bravado. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that I've, I've learned two things that kind of go with each other. The first is I really, truly am an introvert. Social distancing you know, not going out very often, that sort of thing is mostly okay with me. You know, I was, it was funny, like at the beginning of the pandemic, when some of my more extroverted, you know, friends and coworkers and stuff were really having problems with things. It was like, what you guys call social distancing, I call everyday life. You know, I go straight to work, come straight (laughs) home, eat dinner at home, Mm -hmm. you know, just hang out with my wife and my cats and, you know, occasionally communicate with some friends online and stuff, but I'm not somebody who's out constantly doing social stuff. But... (laughs) That said, losing the few social things that I did do on a regular basis, like going to church and seeing my um, parents once each, they're they're still happily married. They're not divorced or anything, but I just I had a one on one meal with each of them every month hurts. Losing that hurts. Mm -hmm. And I am very much looking forward to when, you know, vaccines have been distributing enough to the point where, you know, herd immunity has been achieved and we can go back to, you know, meeting in person and stuff because I miss my parents a lot. <laughs> they are lovely, kind, decent people. And for for a, a lot of years, we just didn't uh, like make the time to see each other. And at some point in my late 30s or early 40s, 
my dad and I started going to breakfast once a month. My dad and I both discovered that we just loved doing that. You know, we wanted to make sure that we didn't miss it. And I started like my mom was like, you know, I would love to do something regularly with you, too. So I started having lunch with my mom and it would just be two different weekends. And I, you know, it would sometimes go like three hours with either one of them. And I would just sit there and it, it's it was a really interesting thing because it's like these are the people that raised me and probably know me better than just about anybody else on Earth except for my wife. But at the same time, we're all adults now, and these people are just like my friends, too. And kind of having gotten the relationship to that point and being able to have it regularly, the loss of that was really something that stung. And so I, I think I, I realized that while, yes, I am an introvert, I am not somebody who could just go off and be a hermit someplace and never speak to another human again. Uh, I learned that I could. <laughs> No joke. Uh, the the worst thing about the pandemic for me personally in my personal life is that my parents are home all the time and I, I don't get time to be a hermit and be completely alone. Relatedly, my agoraphobia coping mechanisms do have practical use outside of agoraphobia. For the uninitiated, agoraphobia is not fear of open space. It is fear of crowds and, and being seen by people outside. This pandemic socially and like personally has been an absolute breeze for me. I can go ages without seeing anybody. I think the, the toughest part has been not seeing Tyler. This is the longest we've gone without seeing each other. And that has been incredibly rough. But in terms of, of social interactions, I have lost nothing that I could not afford to lose. I I can absolutely live solo and yeah this has been an absolute breeze for me and i hate it <laughs> um i i made a post uh on facebook on on december 31st 2020 basically saying so unusual statement here uh maybe but this was not the worst year of my life and and one of my friends asked me to elaborate and i was like well I did not have a mental breakdown that caused me to, you know, create severe delusions of of terrible things happening. So, you know, it's been okay. The this I don't know, my my coping mechanisms do actually have use. And I I am gr I'm I'm not like grateful for the tough times I've had previously, but I'm glad that I had those that I developed those coping mechanisms because they are actually coming in handy. That's good. Yeah. It wouldn't be a Saving the Game episode if we didn't have a little bit of scripture in here. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to close with this. One last little benediction for you all. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Yep. All right, folks. We're going to wrap this one up here. Have a good one. Take it easy. We'll see you around. Yeah. See ya. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license, our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, 
or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.